What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. Went off the beaten path talking about design in the Bitcoin world, UX, UI design, why it's important, how you can create better experiences, why those better experiences are important for people using Bitcoin and the people working on them. I sat down with Patricia. She's working on BTC Pay Server, Bitcoin Design Guide. She's got a grant from HRF to focus on Bitcoin design. Just shot the shit. It was a good time. This rip is brought to you by our good friends at Cash App. Ooh, excuse me, the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App's making it easy to stack sats. Uh, you can stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats if you so please. You can DCA in the sats. You can set buy limits to stack sats. They have their boost program where you get sats back. I went to uh, the Odd Duck here in Austin last Friday night, took my in laws out, and I said, Hey, Mr. Father in law. I've got the bill. I'm going to get sats back. Got 10,000 sats back. It was a beautiful thing. If you haven't downloaded the app, make sure you download the app using the code stacking sats. It's S T A C K I N G S A T S. You're going to get $10. $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. This was also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to be a partner. They're not a company. They don't view you as a, a input in a in a Excel sheet to eke out as much profit as possible. They want to be a partner. Bitcoin demands extreme ownership. They want to help you uh, take extreme ownership with your Bitcoin, and the best way they do that is with their collaborative custody vault product. It's a two or three multi-sig. You hold two keys. Unchain holds one. You always have full control over your Bitcoin. If you're ever in a pinch, Unchain is there to be the second in the two or three multi-sig uh, to, to move your Bitcoin, help you move your Bitcoin. Uh, again, this is all in an effort to eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. If you have all your coins on an exchange or a single uh, signature wallet, uh, there's, there's a good argument to be made that it's a very those are very uh, big single points of failure. The exchange can rug pull you. Uh, you, you can... Uh, one day had the Fed say, I don't want to move it off exchange and you're screwed. Single point of failure, having a single SIG wallet. If you lose that wallet and the seed phrase back up, you are shit out of luck. Uh, the two or three collaborative custody model is a very secure way to secure your Bitcoin, distribute your wallets. Uh, Unchained has a white glove concierge service. It's going to take you from zero to having a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in a vault. Uh, you're going to have multiple video conference calls. They're going to send you hardware wallets. They're going to get that vault set up. And again, they're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in it. If you tell them that TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off that package. If you don't want to go straight into the package, uh, they're doing free one-on-one consultations to learn more about it as well. So go check out everything they have going on, the vault product, their loan desk, their IRA product that they're rolling out, uh, and all the content they have on their site, which is incredible, at unchained.com. This rope is also brought to you by our good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is here to get more individuals into the mining game. All right, you go to compassmining.io, you can buy an ASIC. You can have that ASIC sent home to you. Uh, they have an at-home mining team going to help you uh, and support you getting your ASIC set up, telling you how you need to set up your electrical infrastructure to actually plug the ASIC in, how to connect to the IP and point it to a pool, uh, and, and any other questions you may have. I know a lot of you are... Uh, worried about the South Carolina facility spoke to wit uh, over the weekend they are almost done uh, they have one more delay 
due to transformer supply chain issues at the South Carolina facility. They've made it through a lion's share of the people who were delayed there, and they're hoping to have everybody online in the next few weeks here, uh, and they're hoping to mitigate that problem in 2022 with some more redundancy in terms of hosting. Uh, I think they're learning a lesson here of scaling and uh, over-promising in terms of uh, hosting stuff. Um, However, nobody's ever had a problem with the at-home mining things. If you go to compassmining.io, you buy a miner, you're going to get it uh, as soon as as you purchase it and they ship it out. Um, So go check this out. Beyond that, they've got their blog, they've got their newsletter, they've got their podcast. They're doing incredible things on the content side of things to educate people about the mining industry. Again, go check all this out at compassmining.io. And last but not least, this rip is brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains is here to do many things. There's a team behind Slush Pool, the oldest mining pool in the Bitcoin world, the first mining pool in the mining world. They launched a big update earlier this summer that has uh, more granular payout thresholds. And you can, if you have multiple people in a mining operation, you can have uh, uh, you can divvy up the payouts directly at the pool level, so you don't have to do that post pool. Save yourself some fees there, uh, and then they have Brains Auto Tuning Firmware, which allows you to stack more Sats with your hash. If you have an ASIC that is compatible with Brains OS Plus, and you have not downloaded it and you're using the firmware, you're leaving Sats on this on the table. It's as simple as that. Um, so make sure you go to Brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Check to see if your ASIC is compatible with Brains. Uh, and if you're not using that firmware yet, I would download it to get more sats out of your hash. Hmm, what else do they have? They have insights.brains.com, where you can go check out a bunch of stats on mining profitability, mining cost to mine, uh, the pool stats, individual ASIC sats, uh, profitability at the individual ASIC level, a bunch of other cool things there. Let's go check right now. Let's see what the... Insights, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot C-O-M. Just want to check out. It's always cool to see. Brains OS Plus, um, an Antminer S9. Been around for quite a while. Uh, running Brains OS Plus is profitable. Break-even electricity prices, 15 cents a kilowatt hour. Mining is still very profitable right now. I guess that's what that says. Um so go check all this out at brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com and enjoy this episode with Patricia. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? I'm sitting down with Ben the Carmen's wife, Ben Trisha. Ben Trisha, how you doing? It's actually a, a different Ben's wife. It's a different Ben's <laughs> wife? Although there was drama about that at the wedding. I completely missed the wedding. I know. You missed the wedding. You missed the divorce. You missed the wedding. But we can always do it again in Miami next year. Which Ben was it? It was Ben Kaufman. Ah, Ben like, Kaufman. Not oh, Carmen. There was, yeah, there was drama. You cannot. There's some There's some ground rules to getting married to a Ben in Miami. You can't marry one and then like swim with another 
and then like go off at night with, I mean, the whole thing was at night anyway. <laughs> there was a lot of drama. The Bens are very jealous, but that's, that's one of their best qualities. They're a very odd bunch in the best way, the most endearing way possible, Bens out there who may be listening. Uh, very, uh, very talented bunch too. Yes. We've got a lot of them working on uh, very interesting parts of the Bitcoin stack. Um, you, the Ben that we have in front of us today. One of the older Bens. One of the older Bens. <laughs> Uh, like I was saying before we hit record, I'm very excited for this, uh, conversation because I am a bit of like a, a design nerd, if you will, not where I want to call myself a designer, but I've had experience, uh, jumping into a design boot camp to learn more about tech after I quit my job in the financial world. And like I was saying before we hit record, it was extremely illuminating to me because not until I did that and immersed myself in that sort of class setting and focus like hey you're going to learn about design particularly designing for digital spaces uh did i realize how uh important design is and how hard it is to design good experiences and for the context of this conversation i can't imagine how hard it is to design for bitcoin which is a free open source software uh very highly technical you're dealing with private public key pairs and a bunch of other variables and so there uh, to me having that design background bitcoin's always seemed like a crazy opportunity for designers to to design a whole new financial system obviously that's like the go-to trip but like and there's a shit ton that needs to get done so it's like a wide open canvas is that true i hope so i think so i i think there are definitely parameters there's some principles right you want to Take the things you learn in these boot camps or in school or just picking it up on the internet, playing around. You want to keep some of those classic principles, I think, in my own practice. But that is sort of the most exciting part, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm just preferential to design, but I think that's almost why design is more exciting than than programming for me. Um, because there are these opportunities and because you can kind of figure it out with other people, what you want it to look and feel like, what other people could jump in. I think there's consensus in design too, which is something I think we're still figuring out on the Bitcoin side. Where's the consensus in the type <laughs> typeface right now? Like there seems to be consensus around all the fonts and... Oh yeah, type the, design is huge. I think it's been kind of like slept on for years. I can't wait to see more drama, more more heated discussions about <laughs> it. I'm here for it. Let's go. Well, how'd you get... Let's take it back, step back before we get on all the Bitcoin stuff. Like how do you... Like what's your background? How'd you get into design and how'd you find your way to Bitcoin? I found my way to Bitcoin before design. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I've always loved design too. And I, I, it was something that I think I always wanted to do, art and design. But maybe like a lot of other people in Bitcoin who I've met who are also like immigrant parents or people in communities where they say you need to get a safe job, either in finance or nursing or, or something stable, right? You know, so, so like art and design was like kind of off the table for a while. Uh, went into medicine, worked at a university for a while. Learned about Bitcoin because I was dating someone who was uh, active in Silk Road. But Boss. yeah, well, you know, it happened. I think it's how a lot of people learned about it, too. And that was probably one of the main use cases. So um, I think that people, at least for myself, at the around that time, I didn't want to use it. I was like, is this illegal? Am I doing something wrong? I didn't, I didn't even go on the site. So didn't tell anyone for a while, just kind of like in IRC, doing my thing, as I think many people were. They're just kind of like very low-key. Um, but then years later had a media arts practice in the dog patch in San Francisco mm -hmm. and just started experimenting with how can like code be expressive and functional things that were like processing uh, with 
Ben Fry, Casey Reese, like how to draw on the internet, kind of like mm-hmm. programming to be to be art. And Parsons, actually, you're a New Yorker, right? Like yeah. Parsons around around uh, 2017, they were opening up a new program in communication design. So that's how I got like a, a formal education in uh, product and interaction. So like maybe around the same time we were doing boot camp slash grad school situation. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny how that works, right? Like, it is funny how it works. And it's fascinating it's it's to me again after taking that class like just like the way i viewed everything like apps just completely changed it's like oh this could be a much better experience you never think of it and so like that's what i want to get out of this conversation like until you're immersed in like the design uh learning about design like you don't really think about much maybe you know like an, an app has like a shitty experience or something like that but you don't really think why it's because these people don't design good processes and and, and that's another thing we were talking about before we hit record like one of my favorite examples of bad design that that, um, is pretty infamous in user design user experience excuse me user interface and user experience circles is like a picture of a park where where you have a pathway a, a concrete pathway that was constructed and it's very rigid and you make like a, a right right angle turn. And that's like what the designer designed and implemented. But when you actually get the actual user experience, you'll just see people walking through the grass and there's just like a path, a natural path through the grass of people actually interacting with the physical space in a way that they want to and that the designer didn't think of. Um, when you go apply that to like the digital space, like where what you have to think of is like where are we designing digital experiences uh, where a designer is doing it, not really understanding how users want to and are eventually going to use their application or software, whatever it may be. Yeah, 100%. And I'm, I'm curious, you brought up a few things that we didn't actually talk about this specific part beforehand, but you brought up apps. And I think that's a pretty interesting like way to get your foundation and start with designing in digital spaces. Um, but I also wonder with Bitcoin specifically, to me, I feel like I designed apps and I was learning this sort of skill set. But in terms of like Bitcoin, I think it just the apps are very valuable. Learning the user experience is very valuable, but also focusing on like the beautiful qualities of the Internet is sometimes lost when you're so focused on like, OK, well, we're supposed to fit it in within these dimensions. Like, I think maybe there's a balance to it. Maybe we can take like some of these things from like improving on user experience on the apps, but also like focusing on like what's beautiful about Bitcoin and these qualities that haven't existed before with apps that that are emerging that maybe we're missing if we're if we're too structured. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. And we're we're dealing with Bitcoin, which is again deals with private public key pairs. It's very interactive if you're using it correctly, right? Like compare that to like a Bank of America app where you, you just need face ID. It's a little uh, scary, right? Yeah, to to get into your bank account, and then you can transfer money, and yeah. you're not really doing anything. Interact, you're personally not interacting with like the Fed wire transfer or whatever Rails Bank of America is using. But if you're using Bitcoin, like if I have a blue wallet, um, and I'm using their on-chain wallet, and I have the private public key pairs, like I am interacting with my private key every time I I send a transaction there, which is a different a different type of interaction that has to be designed around. Yeah, yeah, and designed. And I think like people 
don't always understand that design too. It's like, you know, the whole buying a cup of coffee example, but it's like people might understand the fees at a particular time can be like way more expensive than like the coffee itself. So helping people understand Bitcoin at the same time as like changing these apps and, and, and not changing them to make them worse, like hopefully improving them. So these really incredible qualities like privacy and security are still preserved. So that way we still can tell people like this is the freest form of money you have, but but do it in a slick way where it's so natural and they don't even have to think about it. That's like my fantasy is like, <laughs> my fantasy is like when people just can like open, open whatever it is, their app of choice, their wallet of choice. And it just feels natural. It feels good. And there's like this, this almost like poetic quality where it just, it's something that people shouldn't have to feel like they, like I feel right now people have to do so much work with Bitcoin and they almost feel like, like for me, I don't feel like I even deserve some of these like things. I feel like for so long we've been like done dirty by tech that it's like, it feels weird and, and wrong to have something that just works that is it's supposed to work really well. So my like fantasy is like people have really great security, really great privacy and it's easy. It's just effortless. I don't know. How do we get there, Marty? I don't know. Well, that's what, that's the question I was just about to ask is, can we get there? A lot of the times you'll hear like, it's impossible to create that due to the nature of private public key pairs and like how interactive you have to be. Like people are going to have to stomach quote unquote shitty experiences if they want to use it the right way. Why do we tolerate that? No, I don't see me personally. Like I, I agree with you. I, I wish we could have this grand vision where it was just uh, very seamless. Um, I do see that particular, I wouldn't even call it a criticism, I guess would be a person or type of people that would say what I just uttered. I guess they're um, coming from the perspective of these are the design restraints we've been given and something we just have to stomach. Like people are going to have to develop new ways of interacting with their, their digital life, in particular their money in the digital world um, that is going to be more in, involved uh, and not like interacting with the Venmo or Cash App, but I'm I feel like there's a balance, don't you? I do. I interrupted you a little bit. I'm no, sorry, but, I'm... but I was like so. I I feel that where it's like they may have a point, though. You know, I think it will it will take a lot more effort, but I think that there's a balance. I think we can still have a lot of these apps, and I I know like KYC is is not great, but I don't think. Cash app is bad if people choose to use it. That's a step in the right direction. And and I hope that the, you know, people can appreciate that there are is not and not everyone can understand Bitcoin after doing it for like seven years or five years. Like some people, it's they haven't even heard about it yet. Like they might need that little extra step. Yeah. I know it's not like the goal. Like if you read the white paper, it's obviously not the goal, but I can like applaud those companies for trying to step in. I don't think it's easy for them policy-wise to like have to no. deal with SEC and and then the, I, I don't want that. I don't envy that. And that's the other thing is just as Bitcoiners, you have to like you have to find resolve. Like Bitcoin's an open source system. These people want to use it. These companies want to use it. Cash App wants to use it. They can use it and leverage it. And what you have to do is outcompete with the open source technologies to create better experiences that people want to use, right? Yeah, and maybe there's a world in which those those products sort of me. I, I feel like to me, the most custodial options that I, that I appreciate are the ones who also are interacting with open source projects. Like maybe Cash App isn't specifically, but Square, like Square Crypto is amazing. They've done so much for designers. I think more than anyone else supported projects and the Slack has like 2000 people now it's popping off. It's fun. Like I can appreciate that. Like not saying people should jump to custodial solution, 
But I do feel like before, if you're not ready to be like, okay, well, like let's hop into Breeze. Like that's not everyone's first introduction. And I think that's okay. But like maybe, maybe we get there where we have these like really great free and open source wallets that are that are slick and easy, but we're not there yet. No. No, we're not. I think we'll get there. But I think, all right, so let's do this. Let's zoom out. And from let's your per, your perspective, what uh, does a designer, whether it be UX, UI, um, what, in your opinion, like what is the spectrum of variables that are needed to be taken into consideration when you approach Bitcoin specifically? Like what, obviously, again, with private public keys, you got different address structures. Uh, you mentioned fees, uh, protocol versus lightning. Like what, are, what are you thinking and how are you explaining the, the design spectrum to, to newcomers? I think the cool part now is we have the design guide. We have Bitcoin.design is, is part of documentation, I think, the past year that's come about that hasn't existed previously. So I can kind of just drop them some links. I hate to be the person who's like pushing anything on anyone to be like, here's where you need to start. But kind of like an invitation, like here's some good places to start and then check back in with them in a couple of weeks and be like, so what do you think? Like, um, I was even just talking to, to cars. I think like audio and even just having this context too is something that we should document for other people too and be like, here's what we think are best practices. Here's what you could do. I think everything happening on Lightning is super interesting. The icon set is really great. Just got released today or like iterated upon today with Bosch and Kristoff. So great. I'm working on a merchant section, hopefully with BTC Pay and... Um, and it's just been so, it's so fun, like just hearing everyone's experiences. And a lot of it is pain points, honestly. It's like a little sad sometimes, but uh, I think the merchant experience to me personally is so fascinating. And I hope that communities outside of the West specifically are like taking advantage because I think it's going to be something where everyone has a different community need and use case. So I don't know if that totally answers your question, but like, that's my preference. I think that if I could focus on one thing in my short lifetime, like, just improving the merchant section and like making that really rich and available to a lot of languages, hopefully by next year in the same way that BTC pay has like 29 languages. Mm -hmm. And so HRF just gave you human rights foundation just gave you a grant to go work on this specific merchant uh, onboarding use case design. What in your view historically has been the problem for merchants? I mean, obviously merchant adoption has been a meme since like 2013. Right. Yeah. Um, and many people blame price volatility for merchants not adopting it, lack of education. And then, uh, it's too hard, like downloading like BTC pay server or even open node, or even for some people like Coinbase, uh, merchant uh, technologies, whatever they call it these days. It's just too much of a hurdle for a lot of these people. It's a hurdle, I think. and But I also think it's it's very um, specific to who you're asking and who you're interviewing. I would say, like, probably here in the U.S., it just might be that it's like, oh, it's too hard. But, like, we have computers and great Internet, and, like, that's not the case everywhere. For some people, they just have their phones, right? And, like, you could easily start instances and, and interact on your phone, but... I think it becomes a lot more limiting when you have to wait like 38 hours for something to download. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's not it's not easy in that regard too, and just resources. And so I hope that when we have like way better internet in in places that are more remote or more rural potentially, um, I don't think it's for lack of people who don't need it and aren't curious and don't want it. 
I think that it, it just seems overwhelming to people right now. That's been my experience when I'm talking to people, when I'm interviewing people. Um, and, and also, I think it's kind of on us, too, as people who are making these tools to to actually talk to them and, and understand their experiences. And I think that we've got to be accountable for that, too. Like, it, it's on people who are who are doing open source projects to check in. And I think that one thing Pavlinex does really well is he, he's been starting to get people who are building wallets open source. And, and we would just do design reviews for them. This is maybe like a couple months in. Um, and seeing how we can improve it. So I hope that when we can do that with merchants and just like go to stores, like another another dream fantasy, it would be like, you know, you just have people, open source designers or, or developers go in and be like, so what does your coffee shop need? We have like four extra hours in the weekend. Can we like help you? Or who do we need to reach out to? And I think it's all about like connecting them with the right people and resources. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing you brought up, like you know, designing for open source and having like uh user interviews to to help you create like a better design like how do you do almost that? like a decentralized studio i've kind of like yeah. mentioned this in a few a few things and people people think it's like kind of crazy but i was like wouldn't it be cool if in austin you just had like even if it was a co-working space where it's like people could come in you know for you could say like okay friday afternoons were open you know we have some hardware wallets people have sent us stuff come play around with them we got some people volunteering we may not know everything there may be some things that you'll teach us too as like first time users, but having it be something where it's just like open hours. I don't know when you're in New York or when you're when you're in Chicago doing your your uh, boot camp. Did they bring you to studios where you got to like learn from from different pe- different like creators and like leaders they, on like typography or like you know editorial? Like what was that like for you? We never went to the studios. They would come to the class though, um, and they'd walk us through. It was a lot of testing. So I was like, well, we did a lot of A-B testing, a lot of user interviews, because um, the way it worked when I was there, uh, shout out designation, um, we we each got like a project. There was a group of like, you broke down in the groups of three. And then we had a project where we essentially found an app or some company that was looking for uh, design a design upgrade and they were essentially like, yeah, we're doing this boot camp. We'll do it for free. We'll do like the testing and figure out your, your design pain points or at least try to, um, as, yeah. as amateur designers, uh, so that you can move forward and maybe go do a redesign or something like that. So that was a lot of the focus. Um, and then that was like the second half of the program. And the first half was, yes, like people from studios talking about different parts of the design landscape coming in um like how do you set up these user interviews like what you you should what should you be looking for like how do you design your questions like don't ask leading questions just try to observe and and be objective about about the answers that you're getting and then that's the other thing too because you have so many different types of users taking all that information and like all right with all this information all these different tendencies from different types of people how do we push that into a final design that everybody will use. Yeah. Which is a challenge. Always the challenge, right? Like who is everybody? And like, should everybody even use it? I don't know. Maybe not. Like I I think about people who inspire me, uh, like, like Brian Harrington, you know, he's Mm -hmm. like going in to these places, like, I don't know, like offering the conversation about Bitcoin in a really non-aggressive way, just like doing the education, like in the streets going, I, I feel like that's where it needs to start. Right. When we talk about, merchants or designing for people it's like well who are you designing for start locally start with your community have good relationships with them so they can be honest with you they don't feel like they need to hold back they can mm-hmm. be like actually this is broken i'm not interested maybe in a couple of years um yeah so i feel like for me it's like 
I don't, I'm not so interested in like, I don't feel like I have to have this overwhelming sense of we have to build for like the entire, I think it has to start locally and small first, right? And like, that's how you get really great quality experiences and then, and then move out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to look so different, right? In like Ghana than it's going to look in, in uh, the US or, you know, that it's going to look in, you know, Ireland, wherever, right? Like everybody is going to have different needs. So I don't think it makes sense, at least for me to be like, need to like build this perfect thing for everyone because it just and it's also not gonna be relevant in like five years like it changes you got to keep up you got to stay relevant and listen to people exactly yeah. what you're saying listen no that's the other thing it's funny you brought that up it's gonna be like different different parts of like local bitcoins is a perfect example of that where it was designed for like meet in person cash for bitcoin but you found that like people <laughs> around the world found yeah. a way to like hack it to create like a remittance tool using gift cards and, and I want to learn like so much more about like how design could help that I feel like in a place like Africa like or even the U.S. like people were unbanked use gift cards all the time and like yeah. why aren't we talking about that right. continue I totally interrupt no you. I mean it's <laughs> I'm like interrupting you constantly no stop you can interrupt me as much as you want and you really not are even interrupting or adding to the conversation which is like yeah like again like it, it just highlights again that was that was for local Bitcoins, I would view that as like something where they designed a sidewalk in a park and like people are just like walking off path, like with the gift card stuff. And, like, how do you let that happen? Um, as a company, I think they've done a great job of it. Um, personally. Uh, but yeah, like, that's the beauty of Bitcoin too. Like it's so raw, it's so new. We're still finding out every day how people interact with it. And then I guess that that's a good question for you is like as an, uh, somebody designing for open source software, like you said, things are changing rapidly. Like how do you not get frustrated at that or, or what are the base principles from which you grow, grow upon and say like, all right, if we just get it right at this base layer, everything can naturally like grow in there. Is, is that a perspective you have on it or? I mean, <laughs> I think that's something that takes a while to accept about open source design. That's different than maybe like traditional design where you're going into a studio or you're going into work in-house at like a large company. Um, it takes time. You got to be patient. There's a lot of frustrations. And I feel like just understanding it's like you can have deadlines that you expect to happen. You can uh, be frustrated that things are changing or you can just try to like enjoy it and sit back and say, how can I help you? And I think the communication, just being really in sync with people and being like, we're going to do our weekly meetings. Everyone come to the meeting. Cause you have to accept that open source is going to have, even like Bitcoin core, right? It's not, it doesn't look like the most beautiful code. And, and it's not because people can't code well. You get all these different people who have had jobs beforehand in other places, or maybe they just learned to code by themselves and they come together to make something great. And I think it's like that with, with design too. It's like, you can't expect that you're going to have like a release date that's going to always, I mean, we have good people like Pavlin X on board who like manage us and keep us together. But uh, open source takes time and, and you have to accept that there are things that are going to change and, and just roll with it and have that really open attitude that I think Bitcoiners have been good about kind of keeping with, at least folks who stay with Bitcoin and, and you know, aren't selling. I think they kind of just accept that like things are going to change. You just stay with it, do the software updates, try to educate yourself, listen to these podcasts. Right. What do you do? Like, what do you do to keep up with the relevance? I mean, you run a pod. Like, what do you? Well, this helps me. Yeah. Um, the newsletter helps. But then, like, even then, like I mentioned Blue Wallet earlier, but I still have a Blue Wallet with like a rap segment address. I'm sorry, <laughs> freaks. Like, I haven't even like, I'm just, I'm, I think for, for me, like, uh, if you had like a user persona that was Marty Ben, I'm a lazy 
I think a lot of people are. I'm, I'm lazy, lazy in ways too. I don't think just because you design or code or, or whatever, like, like <laughs> people break rules all the time. They're very naughty. I do a lot of naughty things I shouldn't do on, <laughs> on these apps, um, but you know, that's okay. I think also just like not judging people too. Like part of it is like, if you want honest answers, like be okay if people are lazy. Yeah. I'm a lazy user. Uh, uh, I just like, that's fine. I want, that's what like people are like, Oh, you're not testing this. You're not testing that. It's like for me, for my Bitcoin experience, like I have things that just work and they have worked and I like that they work. And <laughs> it's a little dangerous, but I'm <laughs> reckless too in that same way. Um, and you can't test everything. That's the thing. I think that's why, you know, we have to really be grateful for people who are in these open source projects. It's like, they make it a point to test things because people like you and I sometimes drop the ball or like, you know, it's, it's realistic. You have families, you have obligations. It's like the holidays, like things come up, but like, the groups of people who are really going to keep us together and like push Bitcoin forward, I think, are the people who are doing this, this things and like making making companies that are creating these projects be like, hey, can we help you? What do you need testing with? Do you want feedback? If not, like, that's OK. But if you do, we can get you to a design review like Connor runs those, too, which is like so good. So I would encourage anybody who's like creating wallets or or wants feedback, uh, reach out to the design community. And they, in the Slack, right? I think either Slack or there's like a calendar that you can add to your Gmail or or whatever. If if you don't use Gmail, that's okay too. Um, But you can integrate it with with some pretty standard options. So that's thanks to people like Christoph, Daniel, who like are so good at making sure that we keep it together and are organized. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm fascinated by this too. What is the vibe in the Slack? I like that you're really into it, Marty. I didn't expect you to be so into it. I, well, it's I important. Love it. I love it's it. important. Like design is extremely important. Like you can. Obviously, I think so. But I think with Bitcoin too, like I wish that there was more of this like, like unified presence of people who are like um, programming and people who are like designing and doing it together in tandem and kind of like, I feel like to me, design came later than, than other oh, yeah. things. Well, yeah. I, I wish like you were talking about the intentionality earlier before we like came on, like making design intentional. I mean, I don't think when people were writing like a, the white paper, they really, they really thought of it. I don't think Satoshi didn't have design in mind. Obviously so much is really, you can tell that it, it was intentional, but in terms of like the visuals, interaction, product, like I, I, I so wish that it was like yeah. flowing in a different way, well, which we can, we can work on. Core devs don't take any offense to this, but your protocol developers really don't have any design sense. At least, <laughs> at least the ones that I've talked to and met, like you have good protocol design sense, but when it comes to like aesthetics and user experience, I mean, the Bitcoin core GUI, many people will yell, it's a perfectly fine, like user experience. There's so much drama on that. Yeah. There's like two people like, who will like die on that hill that it's like perfect. And you're like, mm, yeah. maybe we could approve on a few things. Mr. Hoddle, I, I, I hear you <laughs> out there. Um, but I respect people too, like who have strong opinions. I'm not going to tell, like, I feel like that's such a good thing in open source. It's like, it's not your job to tell people they're wrong, but like consider all the different opinions. And like, exactly. maybe I am wrong. Like, tell me what's good about it. Like, what am I missing? Maybe you see something that I don't. That's like incredible. Well, from your perspective, what are like some of the most common or maybe not even the most common, but uh, some of the biggest design mistakes that companies are? Oh, yeah, I get there. We're um, we're doing Vietnamese coffee today. Um, I think the common design mistakes are just are just oh, got to take off the top. Got to take off the top there. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, cheers, guys. So Thank so. You. Oh, you're welcome. So. By the way, this is Try Hard Coffee. Shout out to Willow Byrne for introducing me in Austin, East Austin. Will, you got to come back on the pod. And you got to get back in Bitcoin, Will. I was telling you on Thursday, it's time. 
well, Bake Boy, did you, were you here for Plebfy? I'll answer the, the question <laughs> later, but like he, he did Bake Boy. Did you see that? Yeah, he just got some Tacovas. I saw him and Parker Lewis were, were getting yeah, good for him winning. Yeah, I did. So you were saying what are some of the biggest, like common, most common mistakes or hurdles? Was that the question? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think for me, it's like when I talk to people and I ask like, okay, well, what do the users think of this? I think there's honestly not much of a dialogue, cheers, between the people who are who are using their products. I think some people get really excited about about finishing a project that sometimes they don't always like, they're always trying to do the next release, right? Um, yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> you don't want to top off car? Get in their car. But yeah, I think for in terms of common mistakes, it's just, it's honestly just learning from the users, I think. Like, of course there are principles and UX things. And sometimes you're looking at that, like, why is that an alien logo there? Like, I don't know if you've seen that on like Breeze. You're like, people mm -hmm. are like, what's going on with that? And maybe there is an intention, right? Like there's small things where you're like, why is that like typeface an option? I can hardly read that. But I think most commonly it's just talking to users and like listening. If they give you support feedback, put like implementing that. And how do you do that easily for somebody building an application here? Do you, do you have? Easily. There's no easy in Bitcoin. No, I mean, uh, I, I hope that. What do you have? Like, is it something as simple as like a support page? Like, hey, we'd like your feedback to learn or. Um, yeah. Do you do like, hey, like if you're willing, we'll give you 10,000 sats if you do a 20 minute video conference with us and just show us how you go through your app. Like, how do you? I think people are incentivized by like bounties and, and like some sort of payoff. But but I think it's honestly like so much work to give really good feedback um, because that requires users not just to talk about their experience, but to really go through a whole app if you want to get like quality feedback. Um, yeah, I think making it available. I've noticed a lot of apps and maybe this is just because I give too many support requests that are like unsolicited and people are like, what are you doing? But um, but yeah, people like don't always have a, an area where you can email them or you do and you get like a really boilerplate thing. Where they're like, thanks for reaching out and like never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's any specific person's problem. I think that it's because open source requires so much time and energy and like everyone's got to keep the lights on and not everybody can support themselves with that lifestyle. It's like you never know where your next paycheck is coming from. So maybe some of these things where it's like you don't have VCs behind it or you don't have money behind it, like I could see where that's harder, but maybe having communities that like jump in and, and offer help. Yeah. And then even beyond thing. that, like are these open source applications or software projects at a disadvantage compared to like closed source iPhone apps? Because can't you get like a much more data from those like literally like you can get like a heat map of where people are clicking on the screen and then yeah and i mean redesign that way totally um, uh, but that can also be problematic too because sometimes it's that they're like stuck on something and that's why they're doing it and it's like if you're just looking at it from that perspective mm -hmm. and not like as you said like zooming out or, or looking at different lenses uh you might only see that you'd be like oh look at how often they're using that they're just tapping away at that icon <laughs> it's because it like doesn't work um or you know you, you get things wrong so i think that's why having these conversations or part of it could be too like culturally that's why i say like we should be starting local and people shouldn't expect to have answers for for other communities i think they should listen and learn from them because if we've never been in like sweden like i may not know their needs or or if you're in china like there's restrictions like honestly like they may have completely different needs on on like an app it might not just be like it being simple and usable and people understand it it's intuitive they may need like other features that we hadn't predicted or we hadn't thought about in i don't know an app we use in california right yeah yeah so i mean they're definitely going to need it to be uh to be designed with a certain language um 
<laughs> That's the other thing too, like language. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, communicating like what your app does. Like, that language, like if you're building an app as a Westerner and then you're trying to take it somewhere else in the world, like the it's like not applicable. They're the, like the, the verbiage <laughs> that you use isn't isn't yeah really yeah makes sense over there, and it's like all right, how do we do that? Yeah, 100%. I think that's why I like really value what like cars doing too. Like I think audio is so underappreciated, but also things like copywriters. Like we have people I think from visual design backgrounds often when I talk to them I'm like, "Well, oh, what's your, you know, how'd you learn about this?" It's usually like someone went to school or they started like coding on their own. But I think what you say matters so much and how you say it and understand it. And you can't I mean, you can't know how to talk to everyone. You've never lived every place, but having people who are copywriters and have done this well, like would be so amazing to have more of those or people who understand like audio or layout or editorial, like what's the best way to say what we need to say in a simple way that's like really effective. And so I think that's one thing that we could always improve on if I was to say like, what is one thing that I think could really benefit Bitcoin open source design, like having great copywriters. I would love to see more. Maybe that's on us for like not appreciating them enough. Maybe we need to recruit some and just be like, hey, open invitation. Here's what we do. I don't know. I feel like with designers too, like people know about Bitcoin, but I don't feel like it's always so inviting or like you don't feel appreciated where people are like, no, no, we're focused on core. And you're like, okay, that's cool. Like do you, but I think we could be a little bit better about like yeah. getting people in, you know, who are, who are really good and talented. Well, that's like, and again, I have um shout out Yazin who owns uh, MSTQ, which is a UX UI design. He's been more into Bitcoin and like, I'm really excited because he's a really good UX designer. And like, that's the way I pitch it to them. And like, as Bitcoiners, I think this is, we want more designers. Again, we desperately need better design. We need people who design with intention and can make it easy to onboard your grandma or your technically illiterate cousin um, without, and onto Bitcoin and be able to use it in a self-sovereign way. And so we, we need good designers. And the way I pitched it to Yazid was just like, dude, like as a designer, like if you want to leave your mark on the world, you want to create primitives, of interacting with a new type of technology like Bitcoin is that, again, that, that wide open canvas. Like as a designer, I would be chomping at the bit to get in to design experiences in Bitcoin because you can literally make an impression that lasts decades, centuries, however long, um, just for creating user flows today that, that become the, the norm for the people of the future. We need more advocates like you, Marty. If, if only every pitch was like that. I think it's so true, though. And I I think if we approached it from that sort of like appreciative perspective, not just with designers, but with like a lot of people who, who give their time and talents to Bitcoin, I think we'd see much different products. I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just because we're all a little neurotic and obsessive and trying to learn so much all, all at once and we don't slow down to just really like be grateful for the work that people are doing and and understand what people could bring to the table. Like everyone has a different gift. And I think if we were to embrace like backgrounds and traditional disciplines that are not like specific to like programming core or lightning, which matter a lot. I don't want to be talking shit on that either. Like they are so important in their own way. So if you are like a developer and you are doing that, that's amazing. But I also think just, yeah, just that sweet spot of having people who like understand and appreciate Bitcoin, but also have their own talent that's not already utilized in the space. Like I look forward to that in the upcoming years. When I think about like, I don't know, people pitch like 20, 30 all the time. They're like, oh, they're going to have like, you know, we're going to, everyone's going to blame Bitcoiners for problems. It's like, I want to focus less on that. And like, who's playing here? Who's like contributing? And who, like, what does it look like? What are, 
you know, what do we open on our phone or, or, or laptop or whatever? Like, how do I approach going to get like, like my local grocer or butcher or wherever? Like, what is that experience like? And I think that goes beyond just, just design. It's like, how are you living and how are you appreciating your quality of life? Yeah. And that's one thing, actually, now you say that, thinking about the coffee shop I go to. Shout out to Wendy at Maha Coffee and Kat <laughs> and everybody there. Um, Do they I, listen I, to the pod? Should we, should Wendy, we send the pod Wendy, to them? <laughs> Wendy might be listening. She's told me uh, that she's going to start listening. So, Wendy. Ooh, is she BTC Pay server yet? No, well, uh, no, Could not yet. Uh, well, that's the other thing, though. Like, uh, I'm not sure. She's got to be open to it. Yeah. Um, I interrupted I think you. She, <laughs> she's open a bit. Well, that's the thing I'm trying to get. That's the point. Like, so I just got um, obsessed with like NFC payments, just like tap to pay. Uh, I didn't know I could do it with my cash card until like six months ago. And I was like, oh my God, everywhere I want to tap. Like, and that was like, so bringing this back to like Bitcoin design, like Rodolfo, CoinKite, they're designing uh, a new version of the cold card with NFC tap payments for PSBTs. But like, and then again, like you, so I would like to go to Maha Coffee and like have an NFC tap where I, like I'm able to pay in Bitcoin or Lightning or something like that. And then again, you get into trade-offs. Like, is that safe? Is that secure? How much Bitcoin do you hold on that wallet? If there are security trade-offs, and what's it? Is it even possible? Number one to 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 create a an experience like that, but. I think it is possible and I think it does need to be like that if we want like people using lightning specifically as like day-to-day transactions. A hundred percent. And I think those are important things to consider personally for each individual using it. Like what do you want to give up? You can't have it all, which is like really sad, but I don't know if you can relate to this. Do you feel like you're ever like really existential in any way? Not hopeful for the future and not, not like optimistic, but you just think about like, why are we here? What are we doing? Like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So for, <laughs> for me, like, I don't know if it's like just getting there and uh, I don't know, people are really quick to point out like flaws in Bitcoin. Like, oh, like you have to watch out, which is valid. All the points you brought up are valid. But I think about it too, where I'm like, the systems we're already using are so flawed and problematic. I can't be like, well, it's okay. I'll just use my credit card. Have we not thought about like, I mean, people talk about all the time being tracked in the digital age. Like you can already have, I mean, half of these banks have already been hacked. Like I was in the Equifax thing. I'm pretty sure most Americans lost. Yeah. So it's like, of course you can always like point out. And and I think we should think about those things with like, how do we improve? But if we're just going to like live in fear and be like, well, if I buy that coffee, it's over now. It's like, of course you want to like be cognizant and like, don't show people that you have so much in your wallet or, you know, like, like have these experiences that you learn and you improve it. But I think when people are like really quick to be negative and bring that energy to the table. And like, I think in my head, I'm like, we could go, we could go that other route too with like our current systems that exist. And I think they would be much darker if we were to really sit down and like write out pros and cons. I don't think the list would be worse for Bitcoin than it is for our current system. Oh, easily. And that mentality is defeat us. Like we totally we should want to design like the most impeccable, seamless experience. We can, ever. we can. And people are working on it. And by, oh yeah. But like to people out there like, oh, it'll never happen. Like you're not letting it happen. You're not even letting like with that mindset. Like, you have to be open and you yeah. have to try. Otherwise it's like you're relying on other people to do the hard work. And that's not fair either. If we all want to benefit from it, I think everyone can do their own little part. And that even could be as simple as like, I think people are like, well, I'm not a designer. I can't really contribute to the design community, but like, I don't know. Can you translate? Can you like tell me about your experience? Like, what was it like? Can you even like five bullet points on, 
on a doc or a, like your notes or whatever. Like that is valuable. Everybody can bring something to the table, I think. So it's something as simple as a screenshot or maybe like a recorded video of you like using an app and like posting it to Twitter. So like, hey, I'm using this app and here's where I had a problem. It matters. It totally yeah. matters. So I think it is about perspective a lot too. And I think that's what I enjoy about Bitcoiners and maybe about designers or people who are working on open source. It's like, they're more curious. Like mm -hmm. I feel like with you, you know, you can like admit that you're like lazy and it's like okay to be like a little bit comfortable with people. But, and, and I think that that idea of not having to be perfect and just being open is is so much healthier than just being <laughs> negative and be like, well, there's all these issues. It's like, yeah, we know, we're, we understand there's issues. That's why we're trying to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's subjective. You're going to have lazy users. You're going to have of people course. who just like get into your app like, what the hell am I doing? Like you're going to have hardcore users like Matt O'Dell. You're going to have... Uh, everybody in between on the spectrum. Like, again, you have to design to some extent for all those users, for the lazy user, for the the, the technically savvy, like super cypherpunk who, who wants to use Tor and co uh, do coin selection and do like timing analysis of their transaction sends and all that stuff and just creating the facilities through which each user can be as lazy or as James Bondy as they want to, um, mm -hmm. is, is important. Yeah, totally. And, and also like we we're talking about identity and, and NIMS and, and things like that as well. Like just even something as simple as like identity and making sure people feel comfortable and there's trust and you're transparent with what you're doing. I think of course there's different personas and use cases, but designing for that too, and having people share in their own way, which I think is like the valuable thing about what you do with this podcast. It's you have different types of people and they share their experiences and like, maybe you don't need to listen to every episode, but if you can be like, oh, well, I'm really interested in this person's perspective, people can just jump to it and learn about that. Yeah. Or like this person's working on this project, like, okay, let's like listen to that one again. So I think different ways of documenting work is helpful to designers. And I hope to people who are like creating these apps too, uh, with, with less of a design background, but maybe they're open to learning and maybe they just want to learn from podcasts, from books, from the internet, like having more mediums of exchange is, is I think something I'm excited about. Yeah. Like we were saying earlier, like, you know, people don't even learn about design, but then like when you mentioned that before we hit record too, like it, the different mediums through which people learn, like I taught everything uh, I learned in college to myself on YouTube. Like I could not sit there in a lecture and actually listen without wanting to blow my brains out like <laughs> I, and stop going to class and just start teaching myself on YouTube and going and taking the midterms and finals and I feel like that's more common than not, though. When you talk to people and you really, like, get vulnerable, like, most mm -hmm. people, I think, and this is not to say, like, don't go to school or drop out, but, like, I've met so many people just, like, growing up in the Bay Area where they're just, like, school did not work for me. Like, it did not. But, like, they would exit three companies at, like, 18. And I'd be like, so, obviously, there's, like, different ways that people learn. You know, I mean, we know this, but, like, how do we make Bitcoin that for people? How do we make yeah. sure that, like, design and Bitcoin is, like, translated in ways that, that meet people where they are, right? So, like, the kid like Marty who like learns on YouTube. It's like, how are we getting that information to them? Yeah. And is it good information? That's the and other is thing. And is it honest information? Yeah. That's the other thing. There's so much noise out there. Like, uh, in terms of like, you can go on YouTube and you find a lot about Bitcoin. A lot of it is bad. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, or the opposite narrative too, right? Where, you know, people saying, oh, this is, you know, how many, how many days of the week do you have a new headline where it's like, this is destroying the world? And, seven. Right, right. So, so it's making sure that like people learn in, in those ways. And I don't know, just 
continuing to improve on whatever the most relevant medium is. Like maybe I actually think like audio is so intimate. Like so maybe it's for some people it's YouTube. Maybe for me it's just like listening to something and going on a walk and being in nature or, well, or whatever. Like everybody's different. That and like as I said, as I described my college experience, I thought like ah, it was like that for like all my math and economics and uh, in the numbers types classes. But mm -hmm. when it was a philosophy class, I loved to go in person because it was a discussion. It was like you learn about Sartre and uh, Aristotle, Plato, or Nietzsche. And like, then you want to be there to actually like, all right, what the fuck did I just read? And like, what are we trying to, <laughs> and so that, like that way of learning of conversational in person after having done some heavy reading, I like, I enjoyed as well. But when it came to like, economics and stuff. I was like, no, nah, okay. I'm going to go to Khan Academy uh, and do this. Um, yeah, it's like, again, like a user with different mediums uh, by which he learns for different types of subjects, which is like a, like that's why I love the podcast. I learn a lot on this because it's just it's conversations. Great. It's great. I'm not, um, but I'm not learning like sub supply demand curves and stuff like that. And so I'm more willing to have conversations like this and be engaged. I'm just ranting about my life now. Like, uh, <laughs> I feel like Marty was a designer in a past life. You were like some sort of renaissance, like chiseling away for 30 uh, years straight, like trying to get like the perfect I wish. angle. I, I'm trying to creating get creating inks. I've actually thought about uh, forcing my son to become a sculptor. Like they're, they're all they're all gone, son. You're going to be the best sculptor. Or like uh, a carpenter. I feel like those like trades. So valuable, yeah. so valuable. That's what we actually have. Uh, uh, my sister's living with us, and we've got nice. a, we got a ceramics we got a ceramics wheel in the back. Um, she she makes pottery. Um, so cool. So if anybody needs plates, my sister will make them plates, mugs, vases. Is she accepting Bitcoin? Well, well yes, she well, is. She there is. we go. Um, got to put her on the BTC pay server list. We have a list of people who, if you're interested in like. Accepting Bitcoin, you can find those really easily. And I think there's actually like a lot of people too. Um, I have to admit, like a lot of social media really bothers me, but I do feel like one thing in terms of merchants and like learning from them, like Twitter is great. People, especially like Afghani refugees and people who are like on the ground in Afghanistan, like they're really into Bitcoin. I've felt at least for, from the, tw the Twitter like feed that I have. It's like, yeah, finding people who are like artists and designers and like makers who are like, I want to sell saffron. Like that is so cool to me where I'm like, yeah, let's just do it like straight to you. We don't need a middleman. Like we'll figure it out. You have your craft. I have mine. Like how do we support each other? And maybe they don't want Bitcoin. Maybe they want cash either way. Like well, how do we find them? Let's dive into that. How, who have you found and what have the conversations exactly been like? Well, they've been very different. So I tried at first. My, my first step was to approach merchants who were already doing BTC pay. I didn't tell them what was going on. I just wanted to like buy something from most of them or all of them. Anyone who I could get to. We're in the pandemic. I'm in the US. I can't be in certain parts of Asia right now or places are closed off. I wish I wish I could just travel there, and, you know, um, but I, but I couldn't. So Evolve Wine is great. I don't know if you've ever bought wine from them. They, they accept so. Bitcoin. I think they're in the they're in the they're definitely in the Bay Area. I, I want to say like the peninsula area. I'd have to look it up, but really cool, lovely people. And I I bought wine in the past. It was like totally flawless experience. And this time I could tell they got into lightning because it was like a month and I was like, what's, what's going on? Like I actually got added sent to like the HRF conference to like the hotel room. And I was like, these haven't gotten here by now. Maybe we should follow up. And so sweet. Like I, the thing is though, for them, I noticed like they thought it went to their lightning wallet. It went to their on-chain, actually paid with Cash App. Um, Cause I was like, let me just like keep this all circular economy. Um, and uh, yeah, it's on-chain when I, pay, when I 
they do on chain fees. And so mm -hmm. um, they were accepting Lightning. They were they were expecting that anyone anymore because Lightning is so like adopted and people mm -hmm. are into it. They're like, oh, we, we didn't get any Lightning transaction the past weeks. You you didn't do it. You didn't fulfill this. And you're like, no, no, no. You have to kind of like let them know there's multiple wallets and. Everyone's been so nice, but I feel like we learned together too. Like the merchants are learning and I'm learning. And unfortunately they just like refunded it. And I was like, no, I want you to. <laughs> so we'll have to, we'll have to buy more wine. We'll have to have like an Austin Evolve night. Um, but also it's, it's just been great too. Like I feel like activists, I consider them merchants too. I think maybe in most people's mind, like it's like getting that coffee or like going for a burger or whatever. But like, I think activists are like also people who are like doing nonprofits and they're doing initiatives on their own. So when we were at the HRF conference, also Freedom Forum, we, uh, me and Rockstar, we helped set up uh, Belarus Free Theater, mm -hmm. and the women there do like incredible work too. So I think people who are actually in the nonprofit space are getting super creative with like how they support their initiatives and and what's required, I think, to to work politically and not in an evil way, but it's just like we're in different jurisdictions. Like, what do you need to do to be compliant uh, and also accept Bitcoin the way that you want? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's again, especially like the Belarus example, right? Like they they were using Bitcoin to basically give people who are getting cut off from their banking system money to buy food and shit, right? That that's a different a different group, but yeah, I mean, there's there were so many fascinating at that at that also Freedom Forum in, in Miami. We didn't go to the one in Oslo, but apparently in May. So uh, if anybody wants to go in May, I guess that's that's the next Oslo Freedom Forum. But yeah, there's so many fascinating examples. People that is that is one, and and also what what the woman who I was working with and, and we're helping her set up her instance, which she told me was really fast. Actually, she, she said it in front of everybody at, at the Bitcoin Academy. She's saying like, I don't know what to do when we have like dictatorships who are buying Bitcoin or they're mining or they're able to get access to a lot more of this than people would even make in a week or month. There's no way we could catch up because they get so little, every, like mm -hmm. I think it's like a few hundred dollars. Um, Meanwhile, the government has acquired so much more Bitcoin. And that's not to say like, you know, no one has a chance to buy Bitcoin out there. It's just you have to choose between like feeding your family or you have to choose between like buying some Bitcoin. It's not always as easy as people make it seem like yeah. just accept Bitcoin for your trans, just accept it for yeah. your nonprofit. It's like it's not that easy. So, yeah, especially people who live in a paycheck to paycheck. It's like, hey, you can just like thrust uh, thrust that into or fixed income or yeah. anything. Yeah. It's well, especially when you consider the volatility of Bitcoin too. That's what I mean. Can't be like, just smash by 200. They're like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. That's a ton of money for them. Yeah. And I, I do understand that too. It's like conflicting when, when she's like, well, we know that like things that the governments are doing, like we don't agree with, but like, how can we, and, you know, and I, I don't know if there's an answer for that when you're, when you're designing. I think like the policy part is super fascinating too. I can't wait to see more people. This is another, if we're getting into like all my dreams, like I would love to see <laughs> more people in policy. Like we're going to need it for sure. We are, we already need it, but I would love to see like just people who are so articulate with reading and, and writing and, and how they, they speak um, just be standing up and helping, you know, in their own communities too, not just in the U S but in their own communities. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not articulate, but my policy. You are articulate. My policy would just be just, just let people Bitcoin and leave them alone. Don't tax them. Well, Try not to trace them. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I wish everyone agreed with that. But, I do too. But, I know, realize that, that's, that what, is... that's where the work comes in, right? That's where we do the work. And, and that's kind of what I was talking about, like these poetic qualities too. It's like you don't, it's not always like a didactic thing where you're just like, okay, like what if we worked out how we would do um, politics and like how do we, where's the roadmap here? It's like, 
sometimes it needs to be more creative and subtle. And sometimes I think it, it requires like just reaching people like, and I think politicians too, on like a very intimate level and being like, this is how we feel. And like, this is why it's important to us and having that sort of emotional connection. And I know some people are psychopaths and you're never going to reach them. But like, I think when we like go so hard and we're like, no, like you have, this is why it's good. Like, don't you get it? Like, it's just not effective, right? You have to have this like, which I think some people have that gift of like, being able to speak with people and connect. And and I want so many of those people in Bitcoin. I want them so badly to just like show up yeah. and, and make those connections. Cause I think we need that to just be like, Hey, like respect your opinion, but you, here's, here's where we're coming from. Yeah. Especially like you know, after the last couple of weeks, we've seen Hillary Clinton come out and say that the uh, cryptocurrencies are going to destabilize the dollar and uh, countries at that, you know, that dude, Dave Troy is coming out, Alex Gladstein, <laughs> Um, saying, Alex, we love Alex. Saying he's trying to. Uh, Who isn't coming at Alex? I feel like every week he has like another. He's the person. nicest guy too. Yeah. It's like leave Alex, leave Alex alone. <laughs> you Britney meme out of this. Leave Alex alone. I do feel uh, like that sometimes like people pick on like people, uh, you know, politically or on on Twitter or whatever. Like they just know they're like they're very well meaning and nonviolent, and they just like go at them. So yeah, but we have like the again from like a policy perspective, we have people coming out and calling Bitcoin fascist and a, and a natural destabilizer of currencies and governments, which is like it's the opposite. You can Bitcoin exist. Uh, Bitcoin's not fascist. Obviously, it's opt in. Like fascists can use Bitcoin, but the, the protocol itself is not fascist. Maybe it's fascist in the sense that it like <laughs> puts very strict rules that you have to follow, and if you don't. Your transactions don't get propagated, but now we're getting to semantics argument. So I think that's like where design might come in from a different, like unobvious thing where you're like thinking, oh, it's just about UX. It's just about UX. But it's like, how do you actually like create those conversations and opportunities to connect with people? Because I think some people, you know, they cling to their favorite, favorite like athlete or like celebrity or whatever. Like you see it when like rappers start like adopting Bitcoin or whatever, whatever, like altcoin it is. Or it's like, oh yeah, this is great. Like they said, it's great. Like same thing with politicians. I feel like people are like, oh yeah, Hillary said that. You're like, or, or you know, Warren or whatever. There's like, let's do it. Um, so how do you connect with people who just believe, you know, whatever their, their favorite is saying, or, you know, the, how do you, how do you like connect? I think that's designed too. It's not just the app. It's not just the internet. It's not just Bitcoin, but, but in terms of like social like socioeconomic values and just finding people who, who maybe hadn't challenged your perspective before. Yeah. And then being delicate to approach it with intention for their particular worldview. Right. Like, all right. And we've got, we've got uh, a progressive Hillary loving um, uh, voter who just saw her scream, Bitcoin's evil. It's going to destroy the world. How do we go to that person? And be like, all right. Um, Human to human. How I, know do... you, I know you love Hillary, but uh, I think she may be wrong here. Uh, Still okay to love Hillary if that's yeah. where you're at. No one's saying don't love Hillary, but let's challenge some points. Yeah. Like, if you, I think with anything, if you're just flat out believing everything <laughs> someone says, like, we gotta we gotta work on that, right? But it's no one's saying don't love your favorite politician. No one's saying like if that's how you really feel, then you know there, I can accept that there's some things they might like, and you have to, right? You have to accept people for who they are. Yeah. But but at the same time, it's like. The truth is the truth, right? Like you don't want to be dishonest with people. Well, this is why, like, I think the the work that uh, I mean is combining your your work around Bitcoin, like BTC Pay Server HRF, particularly, are providing us Bitcoiners with the rhetorical, not rhetorical tools, but the the ammo uh, to go combat some of these um, uh, people who have a fundamental misunderstanding, like the NSARS movement. How those women got cut off from 
their bank accounts. Not even just and, the women. The the feminist coalition like spearheaded it, but there were more than the women getting cut off. They were just the ones to be like, let's go, let's do it. Yeah. And like Which that, I love. I'm like, get creative, go. That story though, like they were able to get cut off from their their bank accounts and spin up ETC Pay Server and receive Bitcoin donations from people around the world within, Amazing. within the course of days. Amazing. I think that highlights the power. You go to the Hillary voter, like you like women's rights, don't you? Like Bitcoin literally, I'm not going to say it saved, but it, it helped this this feminist movement in a, in a, a dark time for them where focus on what you have in common for sure and I'm not I don't want to be the person who's like telling people what to do or how to think or whatever because I can totally accept that people have different political views and and I think that's really amazing and I don't want to change people I think like that's one thing where I'm like I don't want to push design on people and be like well do you know like this is actually a better experience for x y and z it's like yeah let's talk about it because maybe I'll learn something too like Maybe I've, I've found something I misunderstood, but I doubt it's going to be about Bitcoin. <laughs> um, maybe I'll learn something from you, too. I, I don't think coming at it like, let me educate you. Like, yeah. that's not always like the right move either. I think that's why having those people who are so articulate, who understand the conversation and can kind of be very level headed about it, too. You know, you, you like can kind of sense someone's energy. And if they're calm, you're like, OK, I can approach you. But if someone's like going hard, like like a meme, you're like. You're so aggressive right now. I just really don't even want to interact. Yeah, I had a I had a moment of weakness last week. I was at this oil and gas conference, and some guy was just sitting next to me and just giving me like all the run of the mill, like Bitcoin's too slow. The government's gonna ban it. It's too you're expensive. Like, it's using too much energy, and I was just like, blah, 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 getting like physically triggered and like trying to respond to everything. And I like, had a reflective moment later. Then I was like, just. Got to have a better approach. Who wins there, right? Yeah. No one wins there. Yeah. Right. Which is like, well, it's slow and dumb for a reason. It doesn't, it does use a lot of energy, but it's good because we're using straight energy and we have the lighting network so it could be a medium exchange. It's price volatility. Like, I'm just, like. So, Marty, you're wearing your 1031 hat. People, I, some listeners may know what this is. From a design perspective, do you guys have someone representing design? How do people learn if they're trying to like get their next open source or not even open source? Like, if you're going to do a business, do a business. I'm here for everything. Like, who do they approach for, like, a design specialty? Like, who's their, who's their individual on the team? If they're like, hey, we don't even really know where to turn. We need some help. Can they go to 1031 and, like, reach out to you? Or who do they, like, contact? Who's, like, the, the design person on that team? I mean... We haven't designated yet, but I'm going to put my hand up. I will be the design I'll help uh, you out if you person. want help. I think that people would love to. I mean, that intentionality. Yeah. yeah, like it's, uh, I mean, I like to think I have enough knowledge of the design space to be dangerous to know how to uh, evaluate apps, software, whatever it may be, uh, to have a hunch, an inclination of whether or not it was designed uh, in a way in which users will get it intuitively. Yeah, I mean, if you have any design questions or need help in the design community... And one ten thirty one's help, you can DM me, certainly. Yeah, I'm thinking about like, you know, we have this conversation, everyone goes their separate ways. It's it's like a great time, but it's like, where do we go from here? And I think about things like Summer of Bitcoin or mentorship or, I mean, I'm happy if anybody's like doing a project, like, please, like, we would love to have you like on Slack or getting reviews, but I just want people to feel like they can always like reach out if they want help because people do need design help. Yeah. Just like people would need help like creating an app if they didn't know how to do that, like, not everyone knows Swift, and that's okay. Like, go to someone who can help you with that. Yeah. So, like, giving people who listen to this the resources is something, like, I don't know the answer to that, but, like, 
how do we make sure that people are connected in the way well, they need to? I think Bitcoin Design Guide is a great start. Um, I mean, and if you're a merchant, come come see me. I wanna I wanna get your perspective. Well, let's, what do you think of what do you think? Like, how did that come to be? How like? Because I know there was like. I'm sorry. Which which one? Bitcoin Design. Yeah. Um, well, I think for a long time. There were people who were interested in, in Bitcoin, but there wasn't a specific community for it. Steve Lee, I think, deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. And people at Square Crypto in general for just like stepping up and being supportive of, of design in this space. But I think there were a lot of designers who kind of were on the outskirts or working at larger companies and, and maybe felt like they couldn't leave their job. Like it wasn't as if, you know, chain code existed for people to do a residency and like get some help and, and maybe get a little funding to get started if you were like in a different industry and you wanted to get into Bitcoin, you know, you, you were capable and you're like, oh, I want to do core lightning. Um, th those avenues existed um, for, for a while, but there, I don't think there was anything specific where it's like, well, I'm a designer and, you know, maybe I've worked at whatever large company or in a studio or I've just been freelancing. People didn't really have a place to go. And I, I think they deserve a lot of credit, this community for going to places like the Figma conference, like, and, mm -hmm. and just, going to config and speaking or, or trying to find ways where it's like, there was um, like an MIT hackathon and it's like people just showed up and they're like, it's our team. Um, there weren't designers there. So I, I really love that there's taking chances. And I think that the people who created it, Steve, uh, I think Daniel was one of the in initial people. Christoph is just our like sensei. He like knows <laughs> everything. He's holding us together. And I would love to see more too. That's something Christoph and I, I think are, are going to be working on in the near future is trying to get more people to create these little sub-communities that, that support and fund Bitcoin design. It shouldn't just be one and it shouldn't just be Square and it shouldn't just be one Slack channel. Like, I hope that there is more in the future in the same way that there's all these other groups that are working on Bitcoin projects, right? Whether it be building a wallet, whether it be education, whether it be Unchained, you know, whatever it is. Like, mm. there's so many creative ways to go about Bitcoin. I think the design aspect, as you said, there's just opportunity. I really want people to just find their own way. And hopefully me and Christoph can help create that for some people in the upcoming year. That's a goal. Yeah, I, An optimistic goal, maybe, maybe too ambitious. But no, I don't think now so. that I've said it, we're going to do it. I don't think that's too ambitious. And So I guess... We need more than... I mean, if, if you have like one way to kill a project, like it shouldn't just be one thing. Like we need four or five. I would love to say like 10 of these, well, but even if we had two or three, like that's better than like one... Well, that begs the question. Maybe we can like yeah, a new program for graphic design. Like, <laughs> but like again, like are there? Yeah. A big word in the crypto community, like base layer primitives in design that like you can you maybe don't need different sources of of information because we can all agree that here's the primitives of Bitcoin design. And what you need to take into consideration. That's a design guide. Yeah. Like yeah. here are best practices. Yeah. But I don't think that means you have to like scrap those if you're doing something else. It just means like, how do we build on that? Right. Like, yeah. okay, well now we have the design guide. Like now what? Like, okay, well maybe there's more communities who could do that. Um, maybe there's like summer of Bitcoin and you like help younger people. Or, you know, there's like this girl who comes, who comes to BitDubs who, who I'm so into. She's like 16. She's like so wants to be in design, like really wants to go. And like her dad comes with her. I'm like, yes, I wish I had this when I was her age. And like, getting people like that excited and like introduced in a way where, you know, this book, I brought it and I was telling Marty is like, I, th I was thinking of this podcast. I, I was rereading this recently. It came out a couple of years ago, but um, there are people who are teaching in higher education who do these, these courses over, you know, and, and lectures for, for several years. And it's like, how do you condense that into something that's simple? And he, what he did was he, he had a workshop. I think this one was in LA 
And people just came for the workshop and someone documented the workshop and put it into this book. So I think there are ways to kind of like recreate education, iterate on traditions and like make sure that people know there's like we evolve and like the things that were relevant before and the ways we learned before, I hope, are not staying the same. That's something I worry about, too, where I'm like, why are we doing the same thing? Like with like politics and stuff. I'm like, it's so crazy. Some of these <laughs> things are so, we're still doing this. I'm like banking, right? It's like traditional banking. Like I I don't know what it's like to be in a hedge fund. I can't imagine it's great, but I can I can think of the frustration of people who like are smart enough to get like that. Like, why are we still doing these same things when the world has changed? Like we should be improving and making the best. We have the best money possible. Let's do something with it. So I think about this book and I don't know, I brought it. Ho- hopefully Marty will give it a little, a little oh, I'm gonna... read and talks about typography. It talks about like layout and sort of how like there were traditional, like, you know, you have like Macintosh and you have like these big names. It's like, you had the branding there, but what is the new branding going to look like? And, you know, how do we have these conversations in person together and create them together? Right. Especially like branding and copyright specifically as the, the nature of the interaction of uh, a company corporation with the users changing drastically in real time as you have like memes and social media become a thing. Like it's like to be successful going forward, you have to be able to communicate with the Zoomers and, and the way which communicate again, a medium like memes. With the Benz. Yeah. Our Zoomer Benz. Yeah. They're good at communicating, actually. I was like pretty surprised. Like I think Harman, Kaufman, and like so many other Benz that I go by, you know, various names. It's like, I'm so, I feel like the Zoomers are really, I don't want to be like, the Zoomers are going to save us, but like they can, they know how to communicate in ways that are way more relevant than like you and I too. Yes. Um, and I don't think it's because we're like old. I think they're just like really like, they understand their users so quickly. Yeah, it's like effortless. Well, it's like. Which is, I, I am so here for that. I think we need way more of those. Right. I mean, because we're. More bends. We're transitioning. We're, we're almost there, right? They're like, so those bends you just mentioned, they're about 22, so we're 99, which is disgusting to think about. Um, I they, love it. <laughs> I love it. They're the best. But they like, they always, like, when they grew up in a world where when they were infants, they could have had. Uh, Actually, one of those bends is a lot younger than that. Yeah. A couple years younger than that. But, yeah. They could have, yeah. they could, hey, they're born with the internet, right? Like, where yeah. I remember. I've told this many times, but I remember getting caller ID for the first time in Northeast Philly and be like, oh my God, I can see my Aunt Lisa's calling us. You're like, first cell phone. You're like, okay, I'm fancy. And I'd like to get your perspective on this. This is a way uh, at that oil and gas conference last week too. Somebody's like trying to like, uh, like, it was like, again, uh, the the trope. And this was day two. I had my reflective moment where I was like yelling and just vomiting at the guy, like about all the all the problems that uh, he had were were at not actually problems. Then day two, somebody's like, "Yeah, I get it." It's like, how early are we? Like, if you had to like compare Bitcoin to the internet, and I compared it, like we're at the point, and I remember this vividly where I uh, I downloaded AOL, the internet, onto my family's gateway computer. I got AOL. Oh yeah. Uh, from the back of a Backstreet Boys Millennium album. I got a free like AOL CD nice. and I put it in. Were you on Messenger? I was on AOL Messenger. Messenger. I like to surf a lot. Do you my... remember your username? I like to surf a lot. Oh, that was actually <laughs> Yeah. I thought you were throwing that in there. <laughs> One <laughs> word. Nobody could ever read it. Uh, it was just like, I like to surf a lot. It was just... People well, would just emerge too and you're like, yeah. how do you know my name? I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sure, we're talking now. And uh, people were like, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I... Like breaking it down. Yeah. 
I should have, uh, it was all lowercase. Okay, I should have so, had like. So where you're going with this before distracted with the yesterday was that the day two, this person was like, we're early and you're thinking about like. We're at the point where like I'm taking flashbacks of early We're at the internet. point in Bitcoin where I'm taking AOL free trial CD out of the back of a Backstreet Boys Millennium album. Great album, putting, by the way. Putting it into so my good. gateway computer. Like, would you agree that's where we are? I would even say we're earlier than that too. And maybe that's like a, another dark existential thing to say. But like, I think people often compare the internet with like the 90s. They're like, oh yeah, like like you see all these, this like media of the 90s. But I think it just wasn't that interesting to people early on. But actually one thing I'm into a lot is like, audio and um you know there were things like in the 70s and 60s like around fm synthesis like frequency modulation synthesis that are like super relevant to phones and computers and i remember like alan do you know alan k uh rings a bell why yeah. would i know him? well he's he's like um i don't want to say like the grandfather but he was very influential in like uh physical computing <laughs> so like you know how we have like phones and tablets now like often people will will kind of credit him and others too um with these sort of earlier ideas. And so you had folks like him at Xerox Park doing these residencies, which I wish existed now. I would have loved an artist residency that was like Bitcoin related. That's so cool. So you see like, you know, photos of them like on synths, just like, honestly, probably having their intellectual property taken advantage of, but uh, <laughs> just like coming up with, coming up with um, really crazy ideas about like the internet and like focusing on audio to me, that was like always the most interesting thing where uh, getting into like math and synthesis and like people, then thought they were crazy. And now it's like everyone has a phone. And then people were like, oh no, like the internet is just going to be like for porn and whatever. It's like, I literally cannot get directions to somewhere sometimes without my phone. And as much as I'm like, don't use Google, I'm like shameless. That's the only thing that feels like right and easy to use. Like I will just be tracked instantly to get, to get, I did it here to get to your house. Like it was just like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going. I had a. Uh... So I think actually 60s, 70s is what I would compare early now. Maybe like 70s because it's been like, 13 years, right? Yeah. Maybe we're like years. 70, late 70s. Right well, that's now. one thing I always worry, like, not worry, but like think about, um, again, these comparisons, 90s, 70s internet, like, even though it's only been 13 years of Bitcoin, like it's. Well, computing and internet are different, but yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. As I interrupt you again. No, no, no. Proceed as I continue it's an important. It's an important distinction. They are different, but like, even, if, even though they are different, like Bitcoin, being launched in 2008, like we had the internet, we had all the computing built out. Like how fast do these trends happen or how much faster do they happen you know, with those conditions taken into consideration? Like we have to, the ability to coordinate on social media and game plan and do user research immediately where that didn't exist for the internet, didn't exist for computing. Like how, how much quicker do things change? Now that we live in this environment of instant communication globally, or does it not even matter? Well, does anything matter? We're getting real existential here. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say what should and shouldn't matter, but yeah, I think that timeline is super interesting to lay out. It's like, if we're comparing it, like, what does it mean for design and open source? What is that, you know, what was the equivalent? I would love to see if we're comparing these like timelines, I would love to see more artists get involved. I think about with early computing, um, like John Chowning and FM Synthesis and people who like came out and they were actually like, like John Chowning was in the military. He was in like a band and like came to do like a, like he was at Stanford, just like doing music and and then started paying attention to like Max Matthews and all these people sort of like at Bell Labs. And it's like, what do we do when we like create different disciplines? We put them together and I would love to see like, you know, and then, then you have like these Yamaha products that sell for tons of money. And it's like, those were the highest grossing patents before like 
Google or genetics or, you know, whatever at, at Stanford. And I, I think that when we can, I hate to say this, but people follow the money. Like, I think when Bitcoin becomes and products become more lucrative, I really hate to say this, but because it feels so gross. But like, I think we need artists and designers to come in here and make it nice. <laughs> it's like when people understand like, oh, wait, we can like patent this. Like, because again, another another example of like intellectual property probably being taken advantage of. But like um, when we have these sort of minds challenging our, our ideas of like, no, 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 we could do something completely different with Bitcoin. I think that's when we have more of like the early 2000s kind of current like Bitcoin state. Yeah. It's like if we're comparing to like internet timeline. Yeah, people actually adding uh, good HTML, CSS to the internet so you can... Interact. I hate to say like adding value. So much adds value, but I, I mean, I think it, a lot of people don't think like Bitcoin is legit until they understand how it's relevant for them. And I think the idea of like freedom, if, if you can't relate to it in another country, it's like authoritarian. Like you might only relate to making money. Yeah. Sadly. I mean, number go up, many say is the uh, the best or the uh, not most important. Well, it is many, I would argue it's most important, but like also because you want that liquidity, but it all, again, is an attention grabber as well that gravitates people in. Um, yeah, that changing of industry, huh? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, as someone who came from a different background and now you're in, like fully immersed in Bitcoin, maybe till you retire. I don't know if that's the game plan, but uh, I don't know what the game plan is, but uh, that's another pod for another day. I wonder for other people too, like, did you ever see this path happening for yourself and for designers who are getting into it? Do you think it's realistic for them to to think about a role where they're maybe in a different industry and they have a place here in Bitcoin? Well, yeah, and that's actually a great segue into one thing I want to bring up. Like, Bitcoin has this inherent utility, right? Peer-to-peer digital distributed cash system. Um, you can now, like, Taproot, even before Taproot, you can do interesting things with the transaction you can set conditions that allow you to spend if each condition is met or if different com- conditions are met you do different things uh then you have the lightning network and all that so there's utilities there but it's somewhat buried or hidden right and like as a designer that's what your job is to do is to like not only highlight that utility but make it so people can access it with as little friction as possible and once you do that so like tying this back to what you're saying like you as a designer you can be directly uh responsible for mm, people's ability to access the utility that bitcoin provides which will produce more demand for bitcoin which will make the price go up like that's like one thing i heavily like as we untap this utility via design via user experience and uh, user interfaces, like it's just going to drive demand for Bitcoin. It's going to be easier to use. Therefore, people are going to be more likely to use it and they're going to want to use it more. So where does designers come in? When I'm starting a Bitcoin company, I'm like, I got this wallet, whether it's, you know, open source or not, whatever. At what point do you think people should think about getting designers in? Imme- I think straight through. I think immediately, but you know, I feel like. I don't think you can, you can't. What if they're just like, we have no money, we're seed stage, you know, like, or, or whatever. It's just a group of us. You think they should just say, Who's who's the designer they need first? Is it someone who is product based? Is it someone who's a user researcher? What do you think is the most powerful way? And how do we how do we take those roles and expand them so we have a more diverse team? Like when you go, with, I don't know, when you're boot camp, when you tell these people come in to do their, their lectures from their studio, it usually wasn't one person. They're small studios, but people have different backgrounds, right? Yeah, that's not like when you, you said users. How do you build out those teams, right? Like how do you get someone who's like, I'm a design director? Okay, cool, like. I do web. Uh, you know, I, I build out for mobile. Like whatever, you know. How do you get those teams to form? And how do we 
Make sure people who are building Bitcoin companies know that they matter. It feels well, like an think, afterthought, doesn't it? Well, exactly, which I think is a more, is a broader question just for app developers and software developers and people building companies in the digital age, like beyond Bitcoin. Like how you should approach a product that you're building with software with a design mindset, no matter what you're building, right? And I think that's, Maybe something that uh, I don't even want to say was lost. It was just like never, never found for for a lot of people. Um, Why do you think that is? Because people think software is magic. They don't understand. Uh, it can be, but design is way more magical. Well, des- again, I think design, that, again, that's like a bias for sure. No, but design untaps that utility that that magic provides, right? No, nope. you can't. A hundred percent, and like that's part of the reason I end up going to New York too. Like Stanford doesn't have a design, they have a mechanical engineering degree, but like they don't have the things like a design school has, or, you know, that's why the internet is so special. You can learn a lot of this for free online. Like, um, you know, in, in those design utilities, I think like it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be like we're software based or we're, we're like, we're technical. Like we'll get designers later. I think it, having them both work together is like where the magic is. Yeah, I think you need it. Right? I think so too. We're obviously preferential. We're like shamelessly design heavy, which I would I would love to see more of. But I also, you know, I understand if people have their own ideas. Well, whether you're, if you were a software developer, you are a designer. Like to, you are designing. Yeah, no, no designing. it can be very artful, very, but in terms of like learning things like color theory or, you know, those don't matter as much. But I mean, there are things in terms of like design principles in the book too. Um but I think I wish we're like taught in other other things. Like like if you're getting a computer science degree, maybe you should be like required to take some design courses. Yeah. That'd be cool. And if you're a designer, maybe you should uh, learn how the software works. One hundred percent. I'm always saying that people should know how to program. Yeah. yeah. Which is hard, you know, if you if you're like trying to get over that hurdle of like. Uh, Simple things like, right? Perfect example. Of this you send an on-chain transaction. Um, and it doesn't confirm right away. How do you let the user know that? Like you have to know, understand Bitcoin uh, at the protocol layer, like how broadcasting a transaction and then waiting for it to get included in a block. You have to understand that process to design communication tools within the app to let the user know what's happened. And just to be able to talk to your team, right? Like just to be able to talk to someone who is a developer primarily or who's a designer primarily, like knowing how to like program, be like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I have like a little bit of background. I can kind of like prototype something for you super quick. It's quick and dirty, but it gives you an idea of what I'm thinking of. Right. Or, you know, a, a developer too, being like, look, this may not be like the final product here, but like I went into Figma and here's what I think would be cool. Like just being able to have like a productive dialogue on a team too. Mm-hmm. That way you do create a better product for people. Yeah. For some reason when you're describing that, I can't stop thinking of like the meme that's out there where you have like the Which designer, one? the marketer, the developer. I haven't seen all... Oh my God, will you send it to me? Yeah. I, I mean, there's plenty of them out there because you have this dynamic between like the product manager and the marketing team. It's like, it's a popular meme in like SaaS companies, right? You have the marketing team that's going out and customer facing the sales team saying we can give you this we like we'll give you whatever. i've seen some versions of that but i don't we'll know which you one you're specifically you talking about yeah uh, they like promise it and then there's like someone at the top who's like yeah, yeah go for it and the developers like you're that's not it's never gonna happen how it works. is it like the one with bloodshot eyes like yeah I'm not talking about, 
And then I'm learning about like woe jocks and stuff now. <laughs> like I'm getting, I'm learning about meme culture because I feel like I avoided social media for so long, which was probably very healthy. I think I'm about to delete it again. But I'm learning about. I want to be able to keep up in conversations. So yeah, I need I need to learn this meme. I've been uh, so busy in the last few weeks that I've just naturally been away from social media more than uh, I typically am, and it has been very good for my mental health. I can say that. Um, yeah. It's easy to get triggered online. It's very easy. So easy. And I think about that too. Like a part of me is like, it's so valuable to connect with people on things like Twitter. And the part of me is like, don't we have enough problems in Bitcoin where we should be focusing on this? Like, I think I just death scroll for three hours. I think I just stalked like six people I've never met before. And then you're like, I'm not mad at it though. That time felt meaningful to me. And like, I was happy, but shouldn't we like fix some things with Bitcoin? Like yeah. not fix, but like, like honestly, some stuff you're like, Who's going to create that if you don't? Like, it could be easy. It's just like a Figma file. Like, if you don't do it. What are some examples of this? I don't know. I feel like for me, that I'm behind, some things I'm behind on are, um, you know, even things like the merchant section, even things like feedback or, you know, someone's like, hey, I just posted on GitHub, like, PRs here. Like, could, could, I mean, reviewing is so, like, you don't need to know everything to be able to, like, look through someone's someone's request and just be like, oh, you committed this. Like, let me just take a couple hours tonight, have a glass of wine, go on GitHub, you know, and just offer something. Like, it could even be, like, two tips that are better, and that improves it. Or it could be something like you jump in and you're, like, working on a UX, UI thing. I think, you know, people or, or groups like BTC Pay are so open where it's, like, you want to come in? You like design? I don't know. Like, talk to talk to, talk to Pav. Like, he'll, he's, he'll be like, here's the meetings or calendars here. So I think there's, like, great examples of you don't have to work that hard to give really meaningful feedback. You don't have to have the most talented or biggest portfolio possible. And you could still just the time you take. I'm not trying to like put any social media companies out of business, by the way, like they don't need the business. But, um, you know, the time we take, it's like, is it valuable? And like, could I be applying it to Bitcoin in a productive way? Not to guilt people who like go on Twitter. That's a thing. Um, but Matt talks about this, Matt Odell all the time, where it's like, you know, we could be thinking about privacy and maybe taking a little time away from that. And and work on something more, more productive for privacy, right? Yeah. I'm lazy and guilty too, though. Like, I'm totally that person. I'm guilt. I'm very guilty of it. I could stop chasing Dave Troy around Twitter and telling him he's going to be poor. Because <laughs> We're, like, thinks. trying to come to Alex's, like, rescue. Everyone's like, get Dave. Yeah. Um, oh, but, Fuck you, Dave. But what do you think about that? I'd love to throw that question back at you. Like, if you did, weren't doom scrolling, you know, a few <sighs> days a week or a few days a month, whatever, what are some things that you would... Take a few hours on and just improve. Ooh, is this like a good prompt to be like, what are we going to do in the next week or two? Should uh, be like, it certainly Should is. we be accountable? Well, again, like, like I said, I've been trying, I've been trying to make myself busier to stay away from it. And another thing I might, a lot of my doom scrolling would happen, usually happens right when I wake up, I wake up early and I'm just like, fuck, 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 like just doom scrolling. So I've tried to supplement that uh, by forcing myself to wake up and get early morning wake ups in. Workouts in, excuse me. Nice. I'm doing like 6 a.m. workouts, just like get up, get out, and I'm back. And it's like, all right, I got to get my day started. Like, I don't think I've sent a tweet today, which is, uh, you know, other than the podcast I just posted. No shame in sending a tweet, by the way. Yeah. But like, you know, it's time and place, right? Yeah, time and exactly. place. Um, so I'd say make myself busier. And then like, it's, uh, I've got a child now, a wife. And that's like the one thing if I ever catch myself and I'm like on the couch, my son's standing there and I'm like scrolling, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I should be doing flashcards with him or something like that. But you can catch yourself and that's like the most important thing. Like being yeah. able to like 
take a second and just like have a beat and be like, you know what? There are more important things. Like, yeah. and this isn't a diss to like any, like we're, we're just talking about mediums. I actually feel like these mediums can be super informative to people, but it's like, yeah, like sitting down and like setting out priorities or just knowing mentally, like here's what matters to me. Yeah. And I think that that is like a great way to, to design your life. That's what, uh, it's not up right now, but that's another thing too. I was having this conversation. I forget exactly. With, I think one of my brother's friends was over yesterday and I was talking to him about it. He's like, oh, I don't get Twitter. It's like just so loud. And I'm like, eh, it is. Can but be. if you know how to use like TweetDeck and filter yeah. a list, like it can be very productive. You added me to a list. I had no idea. Like I'm still, I only, I told you, I only created this in June because the Ben's like pressured me a bit into it, which I'm not mad at, but I'm also just like, I don't even know when someone puts me on a list. I'm like, what does that mean? Like th these are the tools Here, that I need I'll, to be I'll using. I'll show you. <laughs> For, you. for me, I Marty uh, added me to a list. I wish it said what list. <laughs> Is it like, do you want to be on this list? I know I get added to people's lists sometimes, and I'm like, what does this mean for me? I put you on uh, my Bitcoin list. Oh. So you can see here. Wow. See, I filter I filter very aggressively on Twitter. I think TweetDeck's, if you're not using TweetDeck on Twitter, you're using Twitter wrong. Wait, this is so fun, Marty. I love this little situation that we have going on here. So I'm I have, having a great time. So I have Bitcoin. Anybody talking about Bitcoin, they put on that list. Finance and economics, so macro, okay. markets, they go on that list. Oil and gas, Twitter, obviously the mining world. Uh, I've been getting more acquainted with the oil and gas side of things, so I need to learn. So I have uh, experts in the oil and gas um, sector on that list. And then when I just want to laugh at something, I have my barstool sports list and I'll, I'll find. Laughing is important. Comedy is important. Yeah. Life is dark enough. We need... We need to laugh at it a little. Yeah. And so when I need to lighten it up, I'll go over to that part, that uh, list. Keep it light. And, uh, keep it fun. Yeah. Bitcoin urbanism. I, speaking of design, I'm one of those romantic Bitcoiners who wants good architecture to come back. Um, a thousand percent. Oh my. I'm like, with you. Not even architecture, but like designing cities correctly. Like uh, this uh, shout out to everything going on in El Salvador, but I think the the I, the idea that you're just going to like create a Bitcoin city and design it from scratch. You're here for it. No, no, no. No, you're not here for it. Okay. No. Let me feel it like you finish. <laughs> I, think. I was like, I'm, I, where is this going? No, like well, this is like an example. Like, okay. You're going to have President okay. Bukele like, issue this hundred or this billion dollar bond, 500 million of which are going to buy Bitcoin, 500 million. It's going to build out this Bitcoin city. Like that's not how cities should come to be should not like issue a bond and be like we're going to build a city it has to happen naturally i can advise on like how a bitcoin city should be built because it feels to me like that's not my, my like wheelhouse but like what's a better alternative i've heard a lot of people be critical which you know at first glance you're like oh get, kind of like you know I, I get it but like what do you think is like a better alternative if you you're seeing it right now in austin <laughs> okay okay i think what's going on in austin like i came down here and there's a lot of people who are just being and it's not like we're going to build this city and it's going to be a Bitcoin city. It's like, all right. I think Parker Lewis has done a good job of recruiting people to Austin specifically. We love Parker. Um, but yeah, no, I came, uh, many reasons. Uh, growing a family, want to be able to live in affordable house with room and a yard uh, so my child can run around, not a studio apartment in New York. Uh, and and you can keep more of your family here. I mean, I didn't even yeah. know about your sister. That's awesome. Yeah, she's here. Be able to support family, I think is like, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, but like I, I came down here, there's a bunch of other Bitcoiners coming down here. It's just like happening somewhat naturally. Yeah. Um, and it's, Austin is becoming a Bitcoin city, I would say. Um, so you think it has to be. I don't like be... the idea of like building out like 
It's going to be like very subdivision-y, I would imagine. And like, yeah. there's other people too, like building compounds in like Mexico and stuff like that. I'm like, eh, me personally, like I, I want to live by my family. Um, I will move to a city with a lot of Bitcoiners in it, but I don't want to like live in a Bitcoiner commune mm. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Different approaches. I feel like <laughs> also, you know, yeah, I want to be able to want to use something or want to do something. And if my opinion changes, I want to be able to like change my mind on things. Or if I'm wrong about something, like tell me I'm wrong and like let me learn. So, yeah, I think there's definitely I, I don't know. I couldn't advise on it, as I said, but um, I think choice is a good thing and people should have the optionality of doing what they want. And if it's not Bitcoin, that's fine, too. I, I hope it is one day. I think it will be one day. But, you know, I don't think we should force anything on anybody, yeah. like anything on anybody. Well, yeah, we don't. And that's the beauty of it. We don't have to when it comes to Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin's just going to naturally, uh, you're going to have to interact with it and design for it at some point in the yeah. future. If it does become what we believe it will, which I think is happening and will continue to happen. Um, but again, if you're a designer out there, get in early. Let's do it. Make your mark. It doesn't feel early to me. I don't know why it doesn't feel early to me. Maybe it's just because like we've been growing up with the internet for so long. I don't know. Were you on IRC before? I've never been on IRC. Oh, IRC. Told you I'm lazy. You should do it. Download like the Freenode project and get in IRC. I mean, it's problematic in some ways, but isn't everything on the internet? So I don't know. I feel like to me, it's just like the design factors for sure. I would say like newer, but um, I don't know. It, it feels like it's, it's should have happened so long ago. And I feel like people are finally coming together like we were all and so I feel like for me like most people in that I talk to about design are not US based so really yeah yeah it's so interesting there's a lot of people in uh Europe who I talk to pretty frequently um quite a few people in Nigeria especially younger people in Nigeria which I am obsessed with I'm like I want younger people from like non-western countries to like to hop into the conversation it's like you know how do we help each other like you don't need some like you know not that I'm old, but I, I can accept that I'm aging. You don't need like some oh, stop it. woman in you know America, like white woman in America telling you how to design. I want to learn from you. Like tell me what I'm missing. And like, I think that's that's like what's so incredible about it happens with core. And I mean, I, I love chain code. I did the whole GitHub curriculum. And but um, I think that it happens in a way that it's maybe maybe supposed to happen. I, I don't know if there's like destiny or fate or whatever, but it feels very natural when you're talking with people it almost feels like do you talk to like bitcoiners at bit devs and you're like i feel like i just understand your soul yeah, right? oh, yeah. even oh, though yeah. you're different people and you have different opinions and you're like okay i don't know if i believe that aspect like we are not the same <laughs> there are some people where i'm like we are not the same but like but you, it's okay but you understand a little bit about like almost like, bef like no time has passed you're just like all of a sudden at cooper's like 10 minutes later and you're like anyway so tell me about your family <laughs> like like the whole you're like okay this is this, i just feel like you can't do that with a lot of other people and people mm -hmm. are so generous and kind I think that's like a bad rep that people in Bitcoin get. It's like, oh, you're like toxic. So, so toxic. It's like, yeah, no, it's they're very kind. And I just feel like when you meet people in, in person, when you go to these meetups, it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm sensitive or something, but like, no, I, I, I feel like I can like relate to people without even knowing them. Yeah, I've um, I've experienced this uh, for years now in the Bitcoin community. Matt Adele is a very eloquent way of describing it too. Oh, he's it's the like best. you're you kindred spirits almost, you know, and it's like this thing is, you know, Bitcoin's, I think a lot of Bitcoiners understand that Bitcoin's bigger than any of us individuals in it. Correct. Um, yeah. And it is. Most people. Yes. Some people are in it for, for other reasons, but, yeah. but most people who you go to these like community events with, yes. Yes. And it's somewhat of like a space race Manhattan project. And if you're at 
these community events, a bit devs, similar meetups. I think everybody has a, or most would have a base layer understanding of what's at stake and are there for very intentioned reasons. And I think that's just like everybody has an unspoken agreement that around that. And it just creates a, an easy jumping off point for me. Like, all right, we know we agree on Bitcoin that it's necessary and that it's imperative. Like, I like you. (laughs) Even if we don't agree on a lot of things, I like you. Yeah, totally. And that's one thing too, where it's like, I, I look at, I look at the world and, you know, it's easy to focus on the problems, but then I meet people and you go to these events and it almost like restores your soul a little bit. Like, I don't know if this is if it feels like a family reunion when you go to like some of these conferences, you're like, hey guys, we haven't seen each other in a year. And like almost like twice a week we're meeting online and like, it, it's so, it feels so good to like meet people for the first time who you've met on the internet. Is that weird? Like, is it, I don't know if it's creepy, but like maybe during MySpace days, that would have been creepy to be like, yeah, we just met on the internet. We're going to go to a park tomorrow. Like that would be maybe a different yeah. situation. But like, I feel like with Bitcoin, there's like a rich conversation around it. And like, not to say there's not creepy experiences. Those can happen anywhere, but it feels like so good for your soul when you meet people. Oh yeah. And it still uh, freaks my wife out. She's like, you're just meeting random people on the internet and meeting them in person. I'm like, yes. I'm like, yeah, babe. Yes. It's great. This is what's happening, honey. But she's gone to some events, right? She's gone to some Bitcoin things. She's been... How does she feel about it? She... Uh, you can be She honest. loves it. Um, she's been to Bitcoin 2019 and Bitcoin 2021. So she's been to that conference twice. Um, any Austin stuff? Any mm, events here? No, not outside of like us meeting up with other Bitcoiners that have kids and like at the park. Yeah, like um, casual. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she... I brought her sister to BitDevs. Uh, oh! two months ago and that How was, is a, it? was good her sister's getting more into bitcoin um yeah but my wife uh she would not fare well to bit dev she would die of boredom within like 15 i minutes. think that can be healthy to have like partners and people in your life <laughs> who are just like that's your thing yeah that's your thing yeah um that's great though i feel like getting getting the family on board in their own ways i feel comfortable to them is so good and you know it's like we said like designing quality of life and like making sure that you don't understand i mean don't go too deep into bitcoin where you you lose like what's important to you like family friends like quality time you know exactly so. it's a tool to make those things better and Absolutely. more secure uh which many people um do lose that that sort of guiding principle uh why do you think that is i think there's a lot of clout chasing out there where people for sure i think similarly sure. similarly to where um yeah, there's an open opportunity for designers to make their mark in the world. I think a lot of uh, quote unquote Bitcoiners out there um, think they can do that as well by articulating their thoughts aggressively and vehemently and uh, often online. There's like some drama too about people stealing each other's tweets or something. Like there's like all this like cloud chasing that I don't understand. I don't seek to be a part of, but just part of the reason I'm like, do I delete this account? Like yeah. I just want nothing to do with it. Uh, in fact, it really creeps me out in a, like a lot of ways, but that's not to say, I mean, I get it. People have to put food on the table. Maybe that's someone's like being influencers or as like a job for people. I don't, I don't know. I don't pretend to understand that world, but uh, I definitely think one quality about Bitcoiners that I really appreciate is they're so smart. I think most of them get it and they're intuitive enough to be like, the people who are really building and creating things and working on projects every day, they kind of know what's up. I think it's more sad for people who like don't really get it. And you're like, that could be really bad if you just like blindly follow these people. And you're like, well, they got rich off of it. Like they're telling me they, they did this. <laughs> yeah. So like, great, let's do it. Or they know like so-and-so like, this is great. Like that is really dangerous. And and I don't know how we like get people involved and in, in more focused on like building and making and, and being creative with Bitcoin and, you know, off the influencer track. Like who cares about clout? Like 
I'd rather be like a person who has zero followers and no account and just being like have two friends in, in like a channel that I'm making something cool with. Yeah. You, maybe you can relate to that. You do the podcast, right? Like well, that's you, have your, I... you have your like core group of people and you're like, let's focus and go deep. Like that to me is amazing. Yeah. And that's what I try. I mean, again, I got the irony of being a, a podcaster and tweeting a lot uh, and me saying that like, there's a lot of clout chasing on and like, there's not lost. And that's one thing I, I tried to. Oh, you own it. Of course. Have, you own it. Well, own it and also like have intention with the podcast and the newsletter and what I put out there. Like I, I want to like, I'm not doing it to clout chase. I'm trying to be as authentic as possible and to push people. That's why I'm very happy to have you on. Like, I don't think there's enough people talking about design and Bitcoin. I have nothing useful to show. I have no product. There's no, no PC on my back. And I yeah. thought about it too. I was like, do I even like come on and talk? Like, there's no one making me do this. There's no, in, there's no like incentive. The incentive is to make Bitcoin better always. Right. And I, yeah. I hope that more people are on board with that. And, you know, I hope that more people are driven by that just intrinsic value. I think they are. I think that's like people like you who do this podcast and start it off. And of course there's sponsors and whatever, but like, I mean, there's, like something deep within you, I think that eventually you get to if you're in Bitcoin like long enough and it just draws you to, to make it better for people and, and people who don't even know or people who don't exist yet or, or whatever. It's like just for everybody making it and it's impossible to do it for everybody, but as many people as you can, life is short. We're going to die soon. Let's make something cool yeah. that people can use and, and maybe they make it better, but if we don't start somewhere and we don't give them something to jump off on. Like, I don't want this project to die. I want, I want like, you know, good family units and people who care about each other and go out to the community and take care of each other. Like I think Bitcoin brings out the best in people. And I, and I want more of that. I do as well. And you actually just made me think of something while you were saying that, like <laughs> during my many rants <laughs> are, do you see a scenario in which we could, like a lot of people would argue that the internet as designed and implemented in its current iteration, there was mm -hmm. a lot of, early design mistakes, particularly around the storing of personal information oh, that have created um, a big headache um, today for, for users of the internet. Like, do you see, foresee that possibility creeping into Bitcoin? If so, like per, from a design perspective. I like, think it already has. Let you finish your question though. Yeah. From a design perspective, what? Before just, I, just from a design so perspective, like other things that like we're doing now that, that could, in your view, lead to headaches in the future. Yeah, well, I think like Matt Odell does such a good job about like pushing privacy, pushing security. But yeah, even simple things like you're on an app, like they track you. That is not always safe, right? And like we normalize a lot of that. Just like download whatever and keep it on your phone. But like, yeah, having things stored. And and just because you don't, you know, if someone says they delete your data and you still put it out there. So um, yeah, I anticipate problems. I don't think anything is perfect, but I think you got to be realistic about it and try every day to be a little bit safer and a little bit more private. No one's perfect. We're all human. We're going to make mistakes. But even, you know, data use isn't the only thing we made. <laughs> we, we did, I don't want to say wrong, but like that was problematic. You know, you think about how was the early internet funded, right? Who made this happened. Who funded these researchers who were grad students, like 20 years old, and they were just brilliant, you know, DARPA, like a lot of military presence, mm -hmm. right? And I'll say that was the only thing funding it. But if you were really to like be honest, like it's it's military support. I know a lot of people in Bitcoin have strong opinions about uh, human freedom and uh, and war and then the violence of government. And uh, I, know I probably should be saying this publicly on a podcast, but like I think that it's important to just be aware. Like we would not have the internet if it was not for some of that funding, and and that does get to be a very complicated conversation. And so, when I think about Bitcoin, do I think that won't still happen where we won't have sources of funding 
that are coming from problematic places. No, I anticipate that that happening. And and I do have concerns about that. So yeah, as much as I'm like data and privacy, like of course that is a huge safety concern. But I also worry about like what we're contributing to and like what it means long term for yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. It's much larger than than you or I, but no, I just try to stay positive and work on projects in my own small way. I don't know. I, I have a lot of fears. That I probably shouldn't make people gear up to the fear train. Like no, that talk, doesn't talk more about your fears. What are your fears? <laughs> talk about my dreams and my fears in this podcast. Ooh, I would love that for like a topic. It's like you just get people in a room. Like, Forgetting. what's your Bitcoin fantasy? What's your Bitcoin fear? Um, uh, uh, song of the pod is Meek Mill's dreams and nightmares. We're gonna we're gonna get that on. Some Wait, how do we feel about like Meek Mill's presence in Bitcoin? I feel like there's like a whole thing where I don't know. And I've noticed this too. Like, I don't know if this is a completely different tangent, but I one thing I also worry about too is like uh probably the wrong people to be mentioning this about, but like the thing about like A16Z and like how they have funds, it's great that they're getting like um more like they're they're specifically black funds, which I love to see. But it also troubles me that it's like celebrities and people who are like influential who maybe have like Scientology backgrounds. And like, I love, <laughs> but like there are people where I'm like, actually like, I feel like Chris Lyons and certain people, it's like, you could like really look to them and be like, that is a great example of someone where like, I don't know if I could ever get into some of the programs he's been into, however, have some the same experience. But like, I do worry that like a lot of the cultural influence where it's like, oh, you're a rapper and whatever. Like, I don't want to miseducate people. And I want people to feel safe too. If they're rappers and they're like, I own Bitcoin. I don't want them to feel like they're gonna, like they're still a Bitcoiner. Yeah. I don't care if someone's like rich or famous. It's like, I always want to look out for their safety. And I'm like, I don't know. Are we like doing people a disservice by like publicly making it a thing? I don't know. Like, is that a problem? <sighs> Obsessed with Megan Thee Stallion. So she can give me tutorials all day. But um, thank you for the stats you sent me, Megan Thee Stallion. She's um, also a Texan. A yeah. Texan. Yeah. Just like Erica Badu. Some great Texans out here. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, that. It is hard though. Like, I go back and forth, right? Like, obviously, like Jameson Lops made it a point to be like, don't publicize that you're a Bitcoiner. People will $5 wrench attack you in the future. But maybe they're already so famous, it doesn't matter. They have great security. I don't know. But like, I, I just want, I don't know. I want people to be safe. Well, I, that, I, worry, I worry about that. I do as well, too. And it's like, and so, people don't realize when they're like commenting and they're just like, I don't know. It's, I'm not tr trying to be crazy, but I do see that where I'm like, it's great to get the free sats. But now you just like... Yeah, are I mean, saying I'm interested, which is like another public way. I hope they're doing it with, I don't know, people talk about this. Like you, you hope that people have the foresight to know to use like a NIM, but not always. Sometimes you use no. your first and last name because you just are wanting to be open with people. Yeah, and that's, so that's, and it could be that's where like I go back and forth. Sats. It could be like nothing, but if people, I don't know. So I, I have a lot of safety concerns about people. Well, I default to the safety concerns and, and, and default, like my default view is people should have concerns over their safety as they're accumulating Bitcoin, but then like, there's also the white pill Marty side of me where it's like, hey, if this is successful, it's going to be pretty pervasive and you're just going to assume everybody has Bitcoin. Right? Yeah. Um, at that point, is the risk that high? I mean, unless you're talking about exactly how much Bitcoin you own, I think. I and that's another thing design can fix too. You can design experiences where somebody... We can do it all. ...can come up to you and you're like, you, you, if you, you design experiences that become pervasive that make it so any potential attacker has to factor in uh, the ability, that, the probability that Bitcoiners are using software in a way where you can't just walk up to them and take their Bitcoin. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, and people have talked about that too, where it's like, if you're in a country where there's gang violence and you don't even know it, like you might have to give all your Bitcoin that's in your wallet. And if you don't know to take it off and have like, you may just have... You've fallen into this Bitcoin situation because like your government was like, here's, here's Bitcoin, we're, we're doing this now. And then you're like, 
okay, cool. I have all my funds on my wallet. And like that's taken because you go into the wrong area at the wrong time. Like, yeah. I don't know, there's so many safety concerns and like physical safety. And I also worry about, I don't know, we can get really into this, but like, I just want people to be like, I actually really appreciate the education. So from like a celebrity perspective, I'm like, if that's what needs to happen for people to get to have their attention, like to, to start saving and things like that, that's great. But like, I don't know, publicly putting your information on like, on like social media, like that scares me. And, and I hope that like, Maybe that's where design can come in. And, and maybe, like, I think that's the right view. We have to be optimistic. <laughs> like, we can't just go down this, like, crazy thing where it's like, oh, no, well, it's going to get violent. It might, but I'd rather be positive and, and get as many talented pe- people as possible to be like, actually, here are the safety concerns. Let's talk about them and how do we improve them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's funny. Uh, whenever I go back to Barstool, Big Cat always asks me, how much Bitcoin do you own? Bitcoin Marty. And I'm like, you don't ask stop me asking me that question, Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know how much time we have or if we're running low, but I want to like just leave. With, I don't know. I just want to, I want to ask like if you could have three designers in Bitcoin who were not dead or alive, any brand, any company, any product, you just are inspired by them. Who do you wish could be working in Bitcoin right now? Whether it be anonymously or not, like what product? Who, who would you, who would you, or like, yeah, what, what comes to mind? Uh, like these are the best of the best. I mean, I'm happy we have Cash App focusing on Bitcoin because they are they. You would say very, they're like the be- one of the very best. good okay. design. So that's one. Um, I would agree with that. But I think way. they do a good job of articulating it too. Like when they launched their Bitcoin thing and they had the Bitcoin children's storybook, I thought that was very nice. I love it. Yeah. And they had like the mining piece that they did. Um, is that I, more square cash I mean, shop? I don't I, know if some of that is square crypto, but I yeah, mean, whatever. Steve Jobs I understand. Is like an obvious, like it just feels almost too easy to say. So I'm like, sure. in my mind, I'm like, who except for Steve Jobs? Design focus too with Reed. Do the whole thing where he's like crashing college that read or crashing classes that read college. Yeah. Like typography focused. I think mm-hmm. we need more type designers like that. And then, uh, <sighs> one more. Dude who designed the Japanese toothpick. Um, yeah. What are you talking about? That's another, it's like one of the, like, so there's so much detail into the, the Japanese toothpick. Mm. Like you can, uh, you can snap off the top, like fifth I'm, of the I'm going to be looking this up at like 3 a.m. And this is just like, I mean, it's such a smart little design thing. I mean, it's like obviously wood, like a, a jagged, or not jagged, but a pointed and on the other end, the dull end, it's got ridges in it. And you can snap one of the ridges. There's two ridges. You snap the lowest one off. And then if you only have one toothpick and you want to keep it clean, but you don't want to keep it in your mouth, you put the uh, the part that you snap down off and then you rest the uh, the wet tip on the other ridge so that you, it's not on, sitting on a dirty surface. So that's like one beautiful... Just detail-oriented. Exactly. Yes. yes. That's why I would Japanese want that design designer. is so good. I know. I feel lucky that we have so many people in Japan who are focused on Bitcoin. I don't know how, how, how deep you get into it, but whenever like you're talking to people from Japan, you're like, I don't know. They're so thoughtful, not even design programmers too. I'm just like, wow, I actually didn't think about it from that perspective. So yeah. yeah. Like detail oriented. So yeah. that's like, again, going back Definitely. to it, like it's important, right? Especially as like you have things like Taproot, I mean, back 32 now. So now like when you go in, you're like spin up a Bitcoin wallet. It's like, all right, what address structure do you it's want, the little things. Do you want? Do you want a legacy? Do you want a wrap segment? Do you want deck thirty two? Do you want tap pay to tap root? Like, and then like, all right, as a new user, it's like, what the fuck does all this mean? Like, how yeah, and how does it pertain to me? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so you need like communication, detail oriented communication within the app to 
That's the thing about the Japanese toothpick. There's nothing needs to be communicated. It's almost. So you're hoping it'll eventually get to the point where people just understand, like, I get what's going on here. Yeah. With very little explanation. Yeah. It's like an intuitive. Yeah. Um, Those are great. I don't know if Kara's mic, but I'm kind of curious about his perspective as well. Maybe he can tell us offline. Maybe he can tweet it. Oh, he has a mic. Maybe He does have a mic. Oh, yes. I was looking it up, Marty, but... um, You're not coming in. (laughs) Oh, I'm not. I can hear him. I don't know if that's what you mean by coming in, but I can hear him on on my headphones. Oh, I can't hear you on my headphones. If you can hear on your... Um, I was going to say Shigori Matsumoto. I think that would be my pick. Shigori Matsumoto? The guy who made Mario and Nintendo. Ooh. I think like... I would like to see what Bitcoin would look like under his vision, you know? Yeah. That'd be cool. Hell yeah. I mean, he's, he's dealt with a lot of pipes in his life too, which Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin has a lot of pipes, whether it be transaction relay or, or, uh, internet bandwidth and stuff like that to take into consideration. Love it. Car, two more. You have a punk rock background. Anybody who you think could bring a little fire to Bitcoin? Oh man. Artist, designer, maker. I'm just waiting for like Radiohead to do something. I don't know why the hell they're not doing anything. And then like, um, Beastie Boys would be cool too. Oh, we can't though. They, not the OG. We could never get the OGs back. Uh, RIP, yeah. you know. Rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. I want to see what Radiohead would do. Uh, and then, of course, I'm That'd waiting for like, um, what's what's that? Banksy? I want to see what he does. Mm. I think uh, he's just going to drop something. It's just going to shock everybody. And he does shrimp on Bitcoin. Totally. I think Carr kind of hit the nail on the head when I was talking about like things being like poetic. And maybe I'm saying the wrong way, but like, just like, yeah, are you talking about just dropping something? Like people need to understand it in a different way, a different lens. And when it creates a conversation and people are like, wait, what's going on? Whether it be positive or negative, it's like, no, you can only say things so many times the same way before it's exhausting. And people are just like, look, I get it. And they don't want to hear it. But maybe if you had like a different piece of conversation, especially public art or things that aren't private, like that's kind of what's amazing about like open source, but like just throwing it out there in the world and be like, anybody wants to see this? Here it is. Yeah. Now you say that being from Philadelphia, it's such a shame that they've fucking destroyed love park that's another example that was such a good skate spot kevin bacon's dad uh he was the architect that designed love park and uh really yeah and uh (laughs) was that like a thing that locals talked about (laughs) uh during the tour of the city i kept bacon's dad uh he's like a robin williams san francisco thing we're like oh yeah and so he did a lot of things in philly kevin bacon bacon's from philly i didn't Uh, know that his dad was an architect but yeah, that was like another thing. Like you designed this park as a public space and then realized skaters would take it over and become like one of the most iconic skate spots so good. in the world. But yeah. like he was so cool about it too. That's why I respect him particularly because he loved that it turned into this thing he never imagined it would where like literally like be in video games just because of the way it was structured. Yeah, and, that Mark um, Suchu Away Days, the Adidas videos. That was like the last one I remember watching before it got... Yeah, I mean Stevie Williams got his chops there. Chris, Ooh. Chris, uh, Chris Cole. Chris what Cole. about Papa Bent? Your dad skated, right? Skates, My skated? dad skated. Yeah, um, in the eighties, he was a kid running around Philly. Um, When's your dad North- doing an episode here? <laughs> you are. Um, I would love that. So uh, he he runs a coffee shop back at our hometown, and over Christmas break, uh, we're going to do a podcast with uh, my dad and our neighbor. <gasps> yes. They're, yes, uh, I can't wait. They're kindred spirits. They they have a bromance. Uh, and they run this coffee shop together. I think it's just going to be funny to get. I've been onboarding them on the Bitcoin as well. Um, I so think, great. Uh, See, I feel like people like are like, oh, well, I'm at this age, I can't possibly. And then I like, hear your da- your dad in like some of these episodes, <laughs> and your dad's just like down. I'm oh, like, yeah. this is great. Like, so he's like Papa Ben 
I'm here for it. Papa Ben grew up punk rock. I think that's probably why. Uh, Car's nodding. He's here for it. We, we We're listen, all here for we it. We listened to a lot of punk rock growing up. I think that's why I have a bit of a rebellious ice skater. Is it like gr- East Coast punk rock, like Bad Brains? What are we talking no, about? No, my dad was British punk. He liked oh. the Clash. Uh, we okay. listened to a lot of Clash. Um, uh, well, um, so not even punk rock. So like uh, uh, the Clash and the Colt were our two like go-to bands in the mm-hmm. car. So yeah, like British punk in the clash and then like British eighties wave rock in the cult. Um, you can say the cult's a little punky too. Like bad fun's a good punk song. I would imagine. I um, feel like so much of the music I learned was from skate videos. I used to work at a skate shop growing up and it exposes you to so much like art and design too. And that's like one of the things that made me fall in love with like design too. Even just like how, how a board is made or the graphics on it. Yeah. And just like, I don't know. Do you remember being so excited when you get your like a new, a new oh, yeah. setup? You're just like, yes, yeah, it's the best. And I, like, I think about that experience super Bitcoin. I'm like, what's it going to be like when you have your kids and you're just like, so here's a new hardware wallet. Like people already get so excited. I feel like when there's like, oh, an open die. I'm like, oh, is this a different with design? Like even yeah. the small things, people who don't like maybe primarily identify as designers, like they're great at it too. Well, that's funny you bring that up too. And, I, and you can see that like different tinge of personality in the different ski teams. Like chocolate's different than Baker. It's different than where the chocolate and Baker combine. Chocolate and Grill are the same Ch- like ownership, like yeah. Krill Top. Uh, and then Baker and Death Wish. Death Wish, yeah. Yeah. Like I was, when I was towards the tail end of my Chicago, like the chocolate team and it was like uh, Raven Tershi um, as Still killing it, yeah. Still killing it. Well, he had he had to get out of the game for a while. Um, they, I mean, most people do, but Kenny Anderson's in his forties and he's crushing it. So yeah. it's like you know, you have an injury, come back, and I yeah. think he still skates for chocolate. Who else was on the chocolate team? It was like Raven Tershi, um, uh, Elijah Burley, um, Burl. Burl. As I correct you on your own podcast, <laughs> what else can we talk about? What else can I just? Explained. But they had to, they had so their, embarrassing. I'm sorry, Marty. No, stop. I will please. not. I will not. I will correct your skater last names. No, you should because that was wrong. Um, but like, yeah, the chocolate had a certain vibe to them. Baker had a certain vibe to them, and yeah, um, it's a branding. It's like getting that different. Like again, like the girl and chocolate teams, like they were completely different, but people, it attracted different demographic, right? Like yeah. I might be more indie, like kind of like DIY collage kid. And I might gravitate towards Mark Johnson more than I gravitate towards Brandon Beeble and like the celebrity kind of like heavy hitter, Sean Malta. Like, I don't know. That's what's fun too. It's like, I don't think all Bitcoin design has to be the same. I hope we can yeah. get into that point where it's like, there are different little niches for people who are like, no, I want to be more like refined and like polished. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be some people who are going to be like, no, I want to be more like hip hop and I want to do my own thing. And I want to just, you know, I feel like people have like these different, just like different skate teams were like doing their own thing. I think Yeah. I look forward to that day when it's like, I'm sitting there with my future kids, which I hope exists someday, you know, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, so we're going on, we're looking for their new like hardware. And I'm like, okay, what, what speaks to you? There's like not really a lot of that. There's a handful of options, but nothing where it has like personality and it has like style where it's just like, oh, that one is that. And I identify with this and this is the cool brand right now. Yeah. That's like, that's what I love about skating. You have so many different styles and like some, like people think I look like Jamie Foy. Um, guess a yeah. little bit. If you I like, grew my hair out. Younger, and like, I feel. No, like Jamie's definitely younger than me. He's, he's younger, but some people skate who are young and they look old. To me, yeah. Jamie does not look young. I feel like you look younger. But, but he's like a bruiser. Like, and that's like something I identify as like yeah. a bigger dude and just like crushing like 30 stare. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, board slides and like... Uh, 
That's yeah, because that's one thing I do with my son when we wake up on Saturday morning. Oh. Well, he scooters, but we'll oh. uh, we'll warm up by watching like Thrasher clips and stuff like that. Nice. And that's like one of the things like, you just go like clip to clip, and it's a different song, a different style of skating, and. That's uh, I'm just turning into a skating podcast now. That's we're like talking about thing. skating. No, we're gonna bring it back though, because <laughs> I do feel like um, one thing that's interesting about like Thrasher is like they've been in SF for so long, and they've seen it like change from like a tech mm-hmm. city to not. And I think about people who are in Bitcoin too, and they've seen like a lot of tech influence their lifestyle and like society too. Where it's like, I'm happy to keep this as a, as a skate podcast, but like I don't know. I think about like how, how our tools affect us and change us in our cities and. I don't think like a lot of tech has a lot of good services for cities like San Francisco, but you still have those fun, edgy pockets like Thrasher. And I think, you know, like how Austin has Bitcoin. I think that could be like the kind of like little edgy punk rock where it's like, we're going to see tech change it here too. It's already yeah. happening, right? For better or worse, whether you are, you know, I don't I don't care if you're a Tesla employee or Google or whatever, like we're all, we're all friends, but it's going to change the city, yeah. you know, and in the same way that it did with the Bay Area at large. So it's like, how do we see things change, but have these like fun little like edgy moments? Yeah. Where I, I mean, think it yeah. can happen. Yeah. I think that's the cool part about it. Yeah, things like Samurai Wallet, uh, Ronin Dojo, uh, other Sparrow Wallet, Spectre, and then they're you know, like the edgy, like self-sovereign, very private, uh, high caliber, technical, literate, user-centric um, designs. We need more of it. Let's do uh, it. Yeah. And then you have like the unchained of the world for the like, people looking for financial services yeah. that are okay with like using their Bitcoin as collateral and having to give up some information for some cash. And you have the uh, Tesla. There's a little tangential to it. but Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's all I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for cities like Austin. I'm excited for, I don't know, just to, just to be alive right now. I feel, I don't know, it feels like some people can get really negative, but like, I just feel lucky to be alive and like experiences and having these conversations and just like shooting the shit and being able to be like, we need more design. That's such a privilege. Yeah. What is our, what is our, before we leave on it, two things from you. Uh, yes. What are some projects um, that you believe have very good design principles and are designed well in the Bitcoin space? Mm. Um, and what is your pitch? Obviously, we've gotten a lot of pitch to the designers today, but like, what's our what's our ending pitch to the designing community that is looking outside uh, from the outside looking in to Bitcoin? Okay, I'll start with the first one, and that's what is a a product in Bitcoin that I think is done really well. Yeah, or a few products, or like what, what? Yeah, what are some examples of the things that you mm. think have been well thought out from a design perspective? Well, I'm always biased to say BTC Pay because that's what I was drawn to. It's what I contribute to. What I what I hope will grow larger. And I, when I talk about open source, I mean, there's places that are like are open source, but they're full blown like making money in companies. I don't think we should leave them out of the conversation. I think there are many good examples. I think Cash App, while it's not open source, like as you said, it's great. Like I think that they really speak to their users and they listen. And I think that's awesome. But I think BTC Pay, we're talking about accessibility. We're talking about languages, like. What other project has 29 languages where you can just drop down menu it? Like, it's so easy and functional. And I know they're going to get even better, too, which which is something I'm excited about. So I would say BTC picks. I'm, I'm preferential. And I'm shameless. I will, I will definitely pick favorites here. And the second question is, what is a pitch for people to join in? Is that what it was? Yeah. Or yeah. trying to recruit for projects? I would just say... Um, I don't want to be prescriptive. I think everyone has a different gift. And designers, like, that's the thing. Design is huge. Like, specialties... Very. And uh, I think people should come in and find their own path. We have so many projects. They come into the Slack. So Bitcoin.design. Just check it out. Leave if you want. 
sign up if, if, if you want to sign up for the newsletter and, and come into the, some meetings. We do Jitsi. We do community calls. Uh, we've started doing Twitter spaces, which has been like a fun experiment. So uh, I think cool what I want. I personally want help in the merchant section. So anybody who wants to hop in and if you're even new to design, I'm happy to like walk you through whatever we're doing. Um, what else is a cool one? I think that the icon set that they just released is really sweet. But come on in. Just like message me on on Bitcoin design. We'll we'll hang out. Bitcoin.design. Bitcoin.design. And there's so many, like, I feel almost weird being here because I'm not even the most active or interesting or cool or productive person. Like, you will be way more impressed with people on here. That's the one thing I will say. Like, I feel so humbled to even get to contribute in the small ways that I do. Like, if you want to see some real, like, cool open source designers, like, this is the spot. No. I'm like, nothing compared to, like, the Kristoffs out here. They're so good. Yeah, well, and if you're... Don't sell yourself short, number one. Number two, if you're a designer, again, like what is the the goal to make Bitcoin more acceptable and intuitive? And if you do that and you help do that via design, you are going to bring more value to Bitcoin. In the, again, you, by making it more acceptable, more intuitive, you're acts, giving more people access to the utility that Bitcoin provides. And once they get that utility, they'll want more of it and uh, it's going to push Bitcoin forward. We need you. We do. I can't design for shit. We need each other. I had a lot of fun uh, going to that design class and learning about it, but I, I can't. I can't even draw. I, 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 but there's always room for somebody too, right? Like, don't even feel like you couldn't give reviews or feedback or whatever. Yes. That's that's what I'm good at. Our designer is going to design without your feedback. I'm right? not going to wireframe anything for you or or record a video, make like a POC. Yes, um, that was funny. Last night, my wife and I we went down the street. To get dinner at a new neighbor's house and uh, their son is like eight years old, was drawing and he asked me to draw. And I Aww, like drew something. Sweet. And it was way worse than what he was drawing. <laughs> people will surprise you too. I feel like some people are just like, oh, I'm not good at this. And then they do like an immaculate sketch. And you're like, I thought you just told me you weren't good at it. So it's like sometimes when people think they're not good at it, they're actually amazing yeah. at it. Or they're super humble. I can, uh, I'm, I'm not being humble right now. <laughs> being uh, being uh, straightforward, I cannot draw for shit. <laughs> This was fun, Marty. And for sure, this was a lot of fun. I um, want to do it again sometime. I cannot wait for your dad's episode. I'm <laughs> like obsessed. I'm ready. Let's uh, do it tomorrow. Ugh. We're going to do it over the Christmas break. Oh, I can't wait. He's going to be pumped. He's going to listen to this and uh, he's going to be like, you said it. We're doing it. Uh, no, you have to do we, it now. We did talk you about it. We talked about it over the weekend. Uh, he's got an interesting story. Um Let's get into his design perspectives and his skater stories. He's got a he's got a weird aesthetic. He's uh, in his early fifties and he's wearing like plaid Jeff caps now. He's trying <laughs> to look like a, he's trying to look like a jazz dad. I'm like, Dad, chill out, bro. I'm um, actually here for it. I'm like, go off, Dad. Do you? What, <laughs> what else are we putting into the arsenal? Like, he's gonna be a fashion dad. I feel like we don't know it now. We're gonna look back and be like, actually. He knew what he was doing. My uh, my dad does not have a. Hey, I'm not gonna shit on my dad. We'll we'll talk about it on the podcast, Dad. I'm ready. Let's do it. Thank where, you, Marty. Thank you. Where can we find more about you? Just, At BenTrisha21 on Twitter. No, that won't last long. <laughs> it will be, it'll be gone. Come on to Slack. Come right. build things with us. That's how we'll, we'll meet in real life. Go to a bit devs. Yes. We'll hang out. All right. We need you. We do. Peace and love, freaks.